You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. It's so tough getting up today. You we, okay? had a, we partied a lot last night, man. Hey, we rocked and rolled. We did, I guess. Why, are, why? Wait a minute. If I'm still waking up, why are you here? Oh, honey, I've always been here. What? Oh, yeah. Are you Pazuzu? <laughs> Your mother sucks cats in hell. Uh, <laughs> or if it's the dyslexicist. Your mother cooks socks in hell. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is that? Wait, that's, that's not threatening at all. Damn it. It's like, she's actually a really great cook. I mean, if you like socks. If you like socks. I love them. I don't, why is Pazuzu? <laughs> Pazuzu tells a really good yarn. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time. This uh, one time I was partying with Wright and Chris. Oh, God. We were so long over. We all woke up in bed together. We're I, like, let's never speak of this again. I was freaked out. And I'm Pazuzu. <laughs> uh, don't go to the nomad. So go. The woman who is the voice of Pazuzu. Um, I, she was like a friend of a friend and when our friend Patience was dying and we were trying to get like people to donate stuff to uh-huh. auction off to help her with her medical bills she was one of the people who sent us a whole bunch of shit really? yeah like, like uh, this is the actual cross that uh, like a signed original <laughs> exor- masturbated signed with. original exorcist script wow yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool that's crazy yeah yeah she's re- she was really nice a lot you of know, people were so cool like barbara crampton sent yeah me yeah a yeah, bunch yeah. Of stuff and uh janet varney who voices uh cora and avatar the airbender legend of cora oh uh, yeah 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 uh, a lot of really nice people uh the guy who was the head of dc comics dan didio sent us a whole bunch of stuff wow. yeah. man i always knew that pazuzu was good good people <laughs> good people that pazuzu good people right yeah Blair it's something my something to be thankful for which is a segue into how and maybe when this episode is released. Oh, yeah. Wait, what are we doing here? Is this Trash in the Can? Oh, yeah. Let's do Trash in the Can. Okay. What are we oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, st- yeah. Uh, strays. Uh, oh, no. Right, no. Let's go start right Not there. Gonna, okay. Let me just start this by saying we're going to really disagree about one of the movies this week. And probably more than one because, you know, it uh, is me and right. But no, I actually will probably agree on more than we I want. I think we're going to agree and for I think the most part. There's a few in here that... You guys already know are pretty good, but we're going to rave about anyway. Uh-huh. And there's at least one that I guarantee you, you have never heard of that you're going to go like, we're going to just lose our minds yeah, over. We're going to talk about but that for at least an hour. But then you'll still be like, I still don't know if I want to see that or not. <laughs> I mean, hopefully let's let's go in with grace like Pazuzu would. <laughs> well, let's start with a few of the more familiar titles that came out oh, uh, yeah. on this week's episode of Digital Noise. Uh, I'm Chris, and this is right. Hello. And wow, that was so terse. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> hello. Well, that's all. Uh, you honestly, got. here's when my thought process is like, I just want to talk about this first movie so badly. <laughs> I kind of love this movie. Well, this first movie on our list is Carlito's Way, another re-release from Arrow, mm-hmm. except now on 4K. 
it, it was a, a decade ago this originally came out on uh, Blu-ray. Oh, really? Wow. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of new extra stuff here as well that mm-hmm. they've added onto this. I mean, it's Arrow. They're really good at what they do. They're, they are like the uh, just the, the cool... Uh, the cool version of Criterion. The genre Criterion. The genre Criterion. Well, Even though Criterion's been putting out more and more genre stuff lately. They have. And, uh, you know, they're just trying to keep up with things. Because, like, there's only so many, like, hidden gems. They were kind of like, I guess it's okay. Because that is a thing with Criterion every now and then. You're just kind of like, really? That one? Sometimes. Well, they, you know... They were probably like when 4K came out, they were like, oh, thank God we can re-release everything in our catalog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like that with like DVD yeah, and then yeah. fucking Blu-ray. And they're like, oh, and now they've announced they're not doing the Superman crystal thing with Marlon Brando doing intros for every single movie. So I'm disappointed. Oh, that's very sad. Never, I'm sure. God damn you, Criterion. But uh, Carlito's Way, 1993, directed by Brian De Palma, starring Al Pacino, who plays Carlito Briganti. Uh, he's a New York criminal from Puerto Rican descent. Who has just gotten out of prison and he's like, I am not going back to prison or no. dying. I don't want any part of this. I want to go straight. But the only people he really knows are criminals, including his own lawyer, played by a weirdly afroed Sean Penn. I love Sean Penn in this movie. It's such a character actor choice to be this his Jewish lawyer right. who's in who desperately wants to be like a gangster. Right. And uh he has this fantastic, like uh, fro on the back of the side, but he's bald at the top. And like, I, I would love this character in, in any other movie. Like just have well, Sean, because Sean, when Sean such Penn, a weaselly little shit. Oh, though. he's so good. Cause you know, Sean Penn was such like a leading man for so many years. And this is like at the cusp, like right before dead man walking. Yeah. And so like to see him as like a side character and when he's also funny, he is great. Like uh sweet and low down. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking weird. And yeah. like, and Oh my God, I love Sean Penn so much. Even I mean, though I guess he's like a dick in real life. Who cares? He's a little intense, I guess is what yeah. the deal is. You know, one but, of those guys you're like, it's not necessarily that he's a dick. He's just gets super intense when things piss him off. Right. Like, right. like Ed Norton. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. like, okay, nobody's like calling him a toxic male or something, but yeah. But like, if somebody gets in his face and is being that guy's being an asshole, then it's going to be like, oh, this is not going to end well. It just seems like if you had like Ed Harris, Sean Penn, <laughs> and Edward Norton room together, you could like the tension you can cut with a butter knife. You're like, yeah, well, that is a movie I would watch. Right? <laughs> God damn. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> this is actually based on sort of two books: uh, Carlito's Way and then After Hours. Although it's really based on After Hours. Because Carlito's way, the book takes place before he goes to prison and how he goes to prison. Oh, okay. Uh, which I didn't they know eventually, that. with a whole bunch of actors you've never heard of, did a prequel movie of that. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is like, it. Wasn't it kind of like Carlito's way rising? Right, or something. something like that. <laughs> um, but after hours, they changed the title back. They're like, well, we'll just go with Carlito's way because there was a recently a movie Scorsese. Yes, yeah, Scorsese called After Hours, which we reviewed on the show not that long ago. No, I wasn't on that one. I wish I was. Terrific. Great movie. Uh, so when this first came out, it just kind of got mixed reviews. Uh, it wasn't super warmly received by people, but it's definitely gotten a following in the years since because it is yeah. a solid film. Um, it's sort of like the anti Scarface. I think that's what the problem is, is that it's like uh, it, it's the same way I felt after watching Zodiac for the first time. I was like, oh, I wanted seven two, like eight. And yeah. this was like, I wanted Scarface, too, but. 
oh, it's, oh, he's playing a gangster again. It's like, yes, he's playing a gangster, doing everything he can to not be a gangster. Right. And, and like just trying to stay away from it. And it's almost impossible. And he just keeps getting himself in situations where people are like, he has no choice but to do something illegal, yeah. you know? Right. And he's so charismatic and likable in the movie mm. that you, he's completely unlike uh, uh, Scarface. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like, oh, okay. Well, I wanted more of the badass. Like, okay, watch this movie again. He is a badass in this movie, but it's all like a little bit more understated because he's a little older. Yeah. So, like, this, the one of the first, like, quote unquote, action scenes in like the, the pool hall, like, that whole setup is just like, oh, fuck. What what the fuck is going to happen? It's And it's also De Palma playing down his style a lot. Like, it's not anywhere yeah. near as stylized as he usually goes for. It's a little bit more sort of streets, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's streets ahead. Streets ahead. <laughs> I, I think the, uh, when it's when the story starts to unravel more and more where it's more of um, a ticking clock sort of situation, that's when De Palma's like, all right, now this is what Pazuzu's here. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm here to direct this movie. Uh, so like, that's what you could see. Like it really start to amp up the, like, the De Palma-ness and um, like, it definitely like in the, um, uh, the, uh, was it the nightclub stuff? Yeah. It's like, it's, I mean, it's straight from fucking Scarface. In oh a lot yeah. Of ways. No, yeah. I mean, it has that same, feel in terms of set design which is weird because it's new york not in miami oh yeah, yeah sure yeah yeah but i i i will also go down saying that i very much preferred this movie than scarface i oh, am too. not a fan of scarface i'm not either i get i know lots of people well, my wife loves scarface i don't get it every couple of years or well, every five or so years i'm like well maybe this will be the time i right, see what yeah. people see in it and i'm always like no i just don't like this movie yeah i, I don't get it it's not fun at all, and it's kind of oddly boring. Yeah, and it's really just there to see P- Pacino go fucking nuts. Yeah, and uh, you're like, okay, I've seen him go nuts in better movies. But this is one where you're seeing him try to do the opposite. Here's a yeah. guy who used to go nuts, who is like, you know, really got a good handle on himself. Right. But you know, he's he's got it under control. The problem is his environment is totally out of yeah. control. I'm on the straight and narrow, Judge. Uh, like I'm going only straight. He's he's terrific in it. Like I said, I, I I feel like this is still in terms of crime movies, a kind of a lesser one of the great crime movies. It's still one of the sure. great crime movies, but it's not like I mean, this isn't like anywhere near Goodfellas or something. No, because the 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 biggest story is really between him and uh, Penelope, Penelope, Penelope and, and Miller. Miller. Yeah, his stripper um, girlfriend. Right, and I forgot a lot of the th- I guess I've seen this movie plenty of times, but I forgot a lot about their relationship mm-hmm. and her backstory. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, and um, so I I think that this is oddly more of a love story rather than like a gangster story, yeah, and I think that's what really drives it. Which I was like, th- I told you when I rewatched this a couple weeks ago, I was like, I kind of teared up a few times. I know, and I I was like. I don't know. It's just like some big softy. Well, it's like when you get older and things like affect you differently when you watched it, like, you know, 15 years ago. It just depends on my state of mind when I watch anything. Cause sometimes I'm like, watch the saddest movie ever. And I'm like, nope, nothing. Yeah. And other times I watch like a light bulb commercial and I'm like, it's it's like a dumb and dumber when they're watching the AT&T commercial. They're like, Oh God. But like this though, man, it is anything that has pocketballs cannon. I'm just like, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna stop crying as soon as it comes oh, out. Oh, Josh Pazuzu, you're always trying to make me cry. <laughs> but I, I deeply love this movie. It has uh, it's, uh, John Leguizamo in oh it. Oh my gosh, uh, Louis, Louis Guzman, Louis Guzman uh, An- Angel Salazar, and then 
the weirdest little almost blinking you miss in oh, the pants yeah. by a young Vigo Mortensen. Come here. on, man. I got shit in bag, man. <laughs> his, his performance is kind of like, wait, because I, I forgot he's in this. It's yeah. Like, Oh yeah, because he was like a he was like a low level thug. Yeah, uh, he was and, friends with Pacino. Yeah. yeah, but is now like in a wheelchair. Yeah, he got like beat to hell and back in like prison or something like that. And, uh, and he's just he's also now an informant for the FBI. It's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then Sean Penn is just so fucking awful and gross oh he's just the gross and the, the afro just doubles down on it because you look at him and you're like here here is the very picture of a why white men should not have afros right yeah. you're like no stop yeah <laughs> that looks off because he's both balding and has an afro it's it's incredible <laughs> it's and like, like I, so awful i love the choice it feels like uh he chose that it's like the same way that morgan freeman chose his eyebrows and Dreamcatcher. Right, right. <laughs> just like now i want to have a jufro and like a little bald spot in yeah. the top and give me eugene levy's eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy and Man, the, the ending scene with him, too, like that whole setup, I'm like, ooh, I love that setup so fucking much. Well, this is now in 4K, as we said, so uh, it's got a audio commentary on the uh, 4K and a select scene commentary as well. And then the Blu-ray, which also comes with this set, has both of those, as well as interviews with the author of the books. Um, there's an interview with the editors of the movie. There's an archival interview with the director, Brian De Palma. Uh, there's a appreciation by critic David Edelstein of the movie. It's about 17 minutes long. There's a location tour. There's an archival 34 minute featurette on the making of there's eight, eight and a half minutes of deleted scenes. And then all the, you know, promotional featurettes, trailers, yeah, that, yeah. that sort of thing. But yeah, pretty Carlitos way. Pretty solid set. Uh, not so solid of an Al Pacino impression, but Hey, what are you going to do? Hey, look, I, I can do Pacino ish from Cinema Woman. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Charlie, uh, oh, I can't do it right now. I, I need to have more. Something to drink. about smelling or something. I don't remember the quote. What is the one? I don't know. It's yeah, the like, famous quote from you that movie. said and I said this. This court's out of order. That's not from that movie. And, well, he's at the end. Is that li- that lines from something else though? Is I don't know. I haven't I watched *Sin of a Woman* in fucking years. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so our next one is. The, Some other movie. Yeah, it's the Criterion 4K release of The Others, which was a big fucking deal to me when it came out. And it was also discovering the great Alejandro Amenabar, who a uh, Spanish director. God, there's so many good Spanish directors the right best. now. It's just ridiculous. He's won nine Goyas, which is their Oscars. So he's like one of the biggest directors. What, what else has he done? I know it's like other big stuff, too. Oh, yeah. No, he, he has had some other things that were well-received, although nothing was as successful in studios as as a uh, the, the others, others yeah yeah but like open your eyes which was oh amazing, fucking vanilla sky which, which vanilla sky is a remake of but yeah. that introduced the world largely to at least to me to, to penelope, cruz, penelope cruz which damn um <laughs> and thank you alejandro the sea inside which is really 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 oh, good oh javier redim's movie that's the, right the criminally underseen agora which is uh with rachel vice which is sort of like about this woman who is an atheist and a, like was sort of a like a, sort of part of the definition of modern atheism she was like defined the woman she's playing mm. you know and it's really interesting huh. but yeah he's a fascinating director the others is I think that and and uh, open your eyes are still like his two genre things, mm-hmm. and, and he's excellent at both of them. And this one gets Nicole Kidman in the lead, and he's just he wants to do a movie like The Innocence, like an old school 
totally drenched in gothic gothicness movie yeah and it's a delicate film i mean most of the screen time is nicole kidman and the two kids that she has as who they, have the light disease or yeah whatever. they have something something that they made up for the movie <laughs> which i think at the time that i saw this like well that's a real thing guys well there that's is a- there is a real disease that makes you sensitive to light but not to like the explosive degree that these kids are <laughs> right, right? Like, like, they'll uh, burn they'll burn yeah their skin starts blistering immediately it's like yeah no uh porophyria which is some scholars believe is where the legend of vampirism began but it's a real disease which also makes your canines grow uh you get anemia and uh your your skin turns pale really pale white because of the anemia really and you're super sensitive to light to sunlight like your canines eh yeah that's weird yeah kind of cool oh that's interesting so that's where that's the idea is that it probably started from that huh we don't who knows you know we're talking about thousands of years ago i I love they're just like the sick people they're (laughs) vampires gross (laughs) (laughs) but uh nicole kidman plays grace stewart uh she's living in a remote country house uh like really remote like out in the middle of nowhere but a beautiful gigantic fog shrouded gothic as motherfuck mansion yeah uh and she's just living there with her two young children anna nicholas who is aforementioned sensitivity light so the house always has to stay darkened she when she gets her remember the curtains have to be closed she gets her new housekeeper who shows up randomly um mrs bertha mills the gardener edmund tuttle and a mute girl named lydia they are show up seeking employment and are like, she's like, well, we, we need a uh, help. So yes. And first thing she's like, every door must always stay closed. All the curtains must always stay closed. Like this house has to remain dark because they could be injured by this. And, yeah. and sure enough, their schedule is like up at night instead of daytime and stuff to avoid that. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the daughter starts and the son start saying that there's a young boy in the house named Victor that's appearing and then starts thinking there's this old blind woman and all these creepy things. Man, it's giving me the chills. Just like there, there are a few, it it's so creepy. It, there is just a little, plenty of creepy moments. So like this is like the a 24 before, you know, yeah. the witch yeah. and hereditary, all this. Cause this came out in what? 2001. Something like that. Yeah. 2001. And, um, I remember seeing this in the theater when I was, fuck, I was a kid. I was, uh, in high school and you were like, what? 105 at that Something point. Something like that. I was and, just getting done fucking your mother. <laughs> I, I, I remember watching this and I was was like, terrible. She was, (laughs) she was one of my others. Uh, okay. (laughs) Uh, but I remember this really freaking me out and it's interesting rewatching this it because, okay. If you haven't seen this movie, then I don't know the fuck planet you're on because it's been 22 years at this point. Gorgeously shot, beautiful, atmospheric, ghost mystery. Like, what is actually happening here? But there's a twist. Uh, Yes. There's a huge, huge twist. Recontextualizing everything you've seen twist. Yeah. And once you see it, you'll go, oh, and you'll... It's likely you're going to figure out the twist. Like, uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I did not see that coming. Well, you were a kid. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're an idiot. Uh, no, no. I mean, you were a kid. You but, didn't have the context of the films. Right. You had enough films I've seen. But it, nowadays, especially with a very particular other film about ghosts, you, you'll be like, oh, yeah, you'll be like, OK, I can kind of see this one coming. And, ultimately, and it's funny because Sixth Sense. Uh, Which I wasn't going to say the name of it to make it too obvious, but 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 there's another movie. uh, Let's say I don't know, uh, Exorcist, whatever. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) but 
I, it's funny that I didn't realize that because that came out before this. Yeah. And it was like, oh, oh, okay. But yeah. the, I think the biggest thing is. They're very different is, movies. They're very different movies. But this movie is so, it takes its time. Yeah. It's very, and it's, like you said, it's very creepy. So you don't see these things because you also love these characters a lot. And you're just like really concerned about like the help who there, who's there that seem like nefarious. Well, and they're always no like, good. they know something. Yeah. And they, I mean, which we see on screen, like they know things and they're like, keep going. How long do you think it is before she figures it out? And then you're like, yeah. Oh damn. And are hiding stuff. And you're like, what is going on with the help here? And what's yeah. the deal? And should the kids are clearly seeing something, but all the ghost encounters the kids have they're really frightening and and cool and eerie and, and, a, and just a very non-horror typical i think way. they're more eerie than anything else because they're yeah. that scene when it's like the two kids in the bedroom together and then they're like victory like bop, 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 bop. yeah and like i was like, actually thinking about that it gives me chills because yeah, like too. it's uh you just think about that because it, it stays on the kids. That's the other thing too, which is great about this movie. It's not flashy with like jump scares or uh, just like, let's see the shits. Let's see, you know, mama coming after you. Right. It's like, no, that's not how this goes. It's like, it's all off camera and you're just seeing the terror and fright in the kids' faces. It's like, that's frightening enough. And that's what's so great is like, this guy knows how to direct a fucking movie. Oh, he directs the shit out of this movie. And even, you know, with me knowing everything that's going to happen, because mm-hmm. I've seen this movie a bunch of times, I'm never bored watching it because it's just so beautiful watching it play out. It's yeah. so well done. And even though you know the twist, it still doesn't make the ghost scenes any less totally creepy as fuck. Yeah. You know, it, um, the, the, I haven't seen this movie in a, a, a good while though. And rewatching it, I did feel it's runtime slightly. Cause mm-hmm. it, the thing is like other movies where, you know, this giant twist coming, it's, uh, it's now more about like, uh, experiencing in a different way and i i i kind of miss the you know it's you always kind of miss the first experience with a movie that has a twist you're like uh when you're actually like shocked you're like wait what yeah and this is like okay i just want to get to the scary stuff again because i'm just kind of like you know a little spoiled at this point now but (laughs) but here's like i felt a little bit but it's still it's such a great movie and christopher eccleston has a small role in it he does yeah. as the husband. I, I had That's forgotten right. About I forgot it. about yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about the whole plot point. It was like, yeah. whoa, what? And yeah. even now, like thinking back at it, it's like, uh, okay, that yeah. should have been another big clue. Uh, anyway, so this is Criterion, and it comes with a brand new, new-ish 2022 commentary recorded by Amenabar, the director, which is in Spanish, which is and but subtitled in English, which I don't think I've ever listened watched a commentary that was in a different language where they did that, but that's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. So basically like I I don't, I didn't check to see, let's see if there's a way you can turn off the audio of it and just have the subtitle. (coughs) I used to love it when that was a standard feature for commentaries because they don't do it anymore where it was like just subtitles for the commentary, but no audio for it. So you could watch the movie. I don't know if I've done that before. Yeah. They used to do that all the time and nobody does it anymore. But I remember that was awesome. Where I'd be like, Oh, cool. Or, or ones that would do the, the pop-up trivia during the movie ones. Okay, I, I do like miss those. that shit. I like that it, a lot. It, it was it was it was like IMDb trivia before yeah. IMDb. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you, movie, for letting me know that like And this scene, Rutger Hauer improvised the last bit of the uh, the whole monologue. Like, <laughs> well, thank you, DVD. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As, as Ridley Scott back. intended <laughs> to show little pop-up blurbs on the screen. Uh, but this also has a new program with the Menabar and critic Pal Gomez talking about the, the making of this, the conception of it, the religious symbolism inside its story. 
Uh, there's a look back, another new program with Amena Bar, Nicole Kidman, Christopher Eccleston, and the producer talking about the film. Uh, there is a archival program, The Making of the Others. There's an archival program oh, on the great set. Booklet, too. Yeah, a very small, one of those fold out style booklets. Yeah. But uh, there's a pro- archival program on the art direction, on the video- visual effects, on the soundtrack. Um, a photography session for one of the key props from it with audio commentary by the director. There's audio fo- uh, audition footage uh, with actors Alakina Mann and James Bentley. There's a couple, a collection of deleted scenes in here for nine minutes, the trailer, and as you said, the leaflet. But yeah, solid set. Criterion did a great job with this. This is sort of like a spooky classic, no question. And it's really cool that they did this because it's like another modern movie that I wouldn't have thought of to be on Criterion. But I remember I was super excited when that came out. I was like, oh, and we get to watch it? Like, fucking A. On- honestly, I already bought it. Uh, nice yeah well worth owning it totally is uh our next one oh my god i'll just start off by saying very recently uh, i had just watched it and i was on uh one of the you know horror facebook groups horror fans facebook groups and mm-hmm. somebody asked what is the saddest horror movie ever made and i was the first person to comment I was like the mist and every person after that was like no he's right <laughs> he's like that's absolutely the saddest ending it actually to any horror movie ever you nothing said that, else is even close you say that and then stephen king's like he's right yeah because yeah, <laughs> he was like Fuck me, that's sadder than my ending, Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, because his ending, the original ending to The they Mist... They just drive off. The Mist, which is now on 4K, is they just drive off and you don't know what happens to them. This, the director, Frank Darabont, who also wrote the screenplay here, uh, who'd been trying to... He'd been bugging King to adapt this for since the 80s. He'd always wow. wanted to do it and had an idea for it. Uh, yeah, it is so dark and in a way that... Is not when you think of a dark ending what a dark ending would be. It, it catches it's, you by surprise because you can't believe it's gonna do what it does. I think the ending outshines the rest of the movie now because if anything, when I hear about the mist, it's more about the bleak ass fuck ending, and uh, which is I guess props to him because like now it's a part of like cinema history, like you oh, yeah. know, like everything else he does with at least like Stephen King is you know Shawshank and Green Mile. This is just like. Yeah, you know what? We already gut punched you, but how about we fucking cold cock you at the same time? And like, God damn. Well, I remember when this novella first came out, it was a huge hit among King fans. Like everybody loved it. Like this is so good. But King himself like was always insecure about it because he he even said, there's no, this is like, like it feels like it ends, but it's, but it doesn't, it has no real ending because I couldn't figure out how to end it. Right. But I knew it was good and I wanted to get it out there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he was right. It was, it's classic. Uh, the, film here it is uh there's this crazy big storm hits the town of bridgeton maine maine what a surprise for a stephen king story I my know, god well, i never uh, <laughs> and uh a tree falls into the lakeside home of artist david who is uh played by thomas jane uh and with his wife and his eight-year-old son billy and the next morning they notice this mist coming over the lake and uh he's like well let's get ahead of all this we're gonna go to town uh, with their neighbor who he doesn't really get along with because like apparently it's uh, the neighbor's tree who he had been bugging him to cut down for a while that smashed their their gate their their boathouse played play by who uh, uh, Andre Brower the great Andre, Andre Brower yeah he's so good but they have this tense relationship like they're they're getting along only in the sense of Co- well, like well, we're civilized humans that, who have to act cordial to right because he's also a lawyer and he's an out-of-towner yes he's not from there and so and and yeah you know yeah yeah so they go to the supermarket and suddenly there's cops going down the street and 
Uh, some guy runs in who's kind of injured and says like, hey, there's something inside this mist. And Something's they, in the mist! Before they know it, the mist has surrounded the supermarket. So basically, it's sort of a bottle movie where all these people were trapped in there and very strong personalities. They're in there for days. And you've got, like, worst of all, the real villain of this film is not the monsters in the mist. It's yeah. Marsha Gay Harding playing Mrs. Carmody, who's a super religious fanatic who, when the movie starts, everyone's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Right. But when people are in places of crisis... They start turning to whatever that is going to give them comfort, even if it's a completely psycho, really mean spirited bitch like Mrs. Carmody. Well, in in faced uh, in like that that very challenging uh, scenario, especially when you're encountering otherworldly monsters, yeah, right? And and that's I think the a part of like with you know this is very Lovecraftian, oh, and yeah. and. Um, I think that that's a big point of Lovecraft too, is like you basically go mad and like not, not necessarily just like getting killed or anything like, but like, that's the whole thing with Lovecraft. It's like you look in, you know, uh, Cthulhu's uh, eyes and then you go mad and you can't think of anything else and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so this is like a, a byproduct of it is that you just go feral. Yes. And it's like, you just are basically like you become tribal and yeah. you're like, and there's like little factions in it's, the grocery store. I mean, ultimately it's about, how people behave in times of crisis and right. the different types of personalities and the thing human human beings do. And I think it's actually a great examination of it. You are genuinely more scared of her and some of the other people in this than you are of the monsters. Especially uh, when she gets like corralling more and more people and people that you thought were on the good guy's side. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, the real monsters were the enemies we made along the way. <laughs> uh, you've also got the great Laurie Holden, who I've always thought never really got a fair shake. She was like, that actress, she was kind of, a, after the mist, kind of a relatively big name actress when she came onto The Walking Dead. But unfortunately, yeah. it was one of the first people they killed off on there. I like know. Second season. I know. I was like, what? And then uh, Toby Jones, who's good at everything. William like, Sadler. William Sadler. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeffrey DeMunn. Uh, you, you basically got all the, like, the normal actors in all of Darabont's movies. Yeah. And they're just all here. And it, like, everybody in here is a, a recognizable character actor, yeah. pretty much. You're like, I've seen them in lots of other stuff. And, and what's so great about this film is that... That, um, it's it's grown a cult following through time because uh, I think it's kind of the same thing with like Carlita's way like it wasn't necessarily received that positively when it came out it was by me <laughs> I loved it when it came out I was like this is fucking amazing and I was like why the fuck are people and I think a lot of uh, people were complaining about like the because um, I think it was shot, shown in 3D or something like that mm -hmm. and uh, and like the special effects okay they're just, yeah they they're they're good they're fine they're fine but they could be they they in today's world they look a little dated a, a and, little bit and there's points where they're using it quite a bit but there's only so much you could even choose to do with practical with the type of monsters these right. are and know? there's still some practical shit in there yeah, uh, there's some yeah. some yeah but uh this is like that one film where i'd be like i'd be okay with them going in and like like replacing some of the CG with better totally CG. Yeah. yeah. But what's happened over the years with the different physical releases of this, and this is the, the 4k version it's on here too, is that Darabont what originally wanted these to be shown in black and white. And I've seen the black and white version. I watched this time in color in uh, 4k. Yeah. This was my first time watching it in black and white. Yeah. So I, I saw it uh, originally when it came out on the black and white, like, you know, crazy Blu-ray thing where right. like that covers like Tom, she's like, oh, like yeah. covering his face. And yeah. like, this is fucking awesome. And it was great. It it worked really well in black and white. I think I can kind of go back and forth. It really doesn't matter with me. Um, but uh, the the other thing I kept thinking about, and this is the first time I thought about this, was like, how the living hell is this not a play? 
This because it was mm, turned yeah. into a TV show, which was ter- supposed to be terrible. <laughs> I kind of liked it at first. At first, it's really good, but then it starts doing really stupid shit. Yeah. It's one of those, like, guys, you already, like, one of those, like, you've already set this up, and now you're doing this. And mm. the character's making just dumb horror movie character decisions, and you're like, come on. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I guess so goes with anyone who tries to take a Darabont thing and then go somewhere else with it, they always end up fucking it up. Yeah. It's The Walking Dead. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I, I really wanted to see this as a play. Like I thought, I think this could be a such a thrilling, fantastic, and not even like showing the monsters really. Um, pl- stage play, I think it'd be fucking awesome. I could totally see that. I'm kind of shocked it hasn't been made into a stage play. I mean, all those fucking high school kids did goddamn Alien, and like, how the hell are they not doing Mist right well, now? Like, it, there's a town in, uh, there's a company in Austin that does yeah like movies on ice. Right, and they've right. Done, they've done Alien. There, there was another company. I forget what they're called, like Murder House or something like that. They did also Jaws, which was hysterical. Uh, like they do comedy versions on uh of like well known movies, but like uh, on yeah. stage. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this movie. It's it's one of the things where I'm like, man, I wish Thomas Jane, because Thomas Jane is a really great actor, and it's just like, he ends up getting like, rele- he's almost becoming the Bruce Willis of the past like 15 years, where he gets all those like cheap knockoff movies, and yeah. like Thomas Jane's there, like, Thomas Jane, you're not, what are you doing, bro? You're like actually pretty good That's at funny. this shit. I've never actually met Thomas Jane. I've always liked his stuff a lot. He's one of those guys who's always been kind of in a mid-level actor, but a guy who elevates a film by being so good in it. Yeah. You know? And he's um, done a lot of Stephen King shit, which yes. is weird. Uh, wasn't he in 1922? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but like, one of the guys I met at Comic-Con years ago, Tim Bradstreet, who's best known to people who like, you know, who are really into... Uh, uh, Vampire the Masquerade or a lot of movie posters he did. He oh, did the original yeah. Vampire the Masquerade source book, which was gigantic. All the art was by him. And it was just really one of the things that sold that book because people were like, this art is just so gorgeous. But he's one of those guys who's kind of like, um, he's the guy who does all the photo realistic posters who's super famous. Oh. Drew Struzan. He's yeah. very Drew Struzan-ish in that way. Yeah. Uh, but we would hang out every Comic-Con and get drunk and talk shit. And uh, he was always... Uh, Anytime anybody bring up Thomas Jane, he's like, that man has the soul of an angel. <laughs> he just loves it. He's like, he's my best friend in the world. I love him so much. I bet he's awesome. I mean, he, yeah, like you said, he elevates everything that he's in. Yeah. And it's just, I wish he was in better things. Well, you know what? He wouldn't have probably elevated because I don't think there's any way he could have is our next movie, Gangnam Zombie. <laughs> and then our movie after that is... Uh... <laughs> Look, when they say it's a South Korean horror film, that's all you had to say. I will at least give it a chance. Now I like, don't trust it. John and I re- reviewed one recently called Sarah that was really good. And it was like one of those, why is this only Oh, out? you got to review that with John? Yeah. Oh, keep going well, about I that. Oh, that's know. great. Yeah, sorry. Oh, thanks. This Thank one was you. on Blu-ray. I figured this was the better movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not. No. Yeah. Uh, it's. But, you know, I mean, it's tolerable. It's a zombie film. It's really just, it's a zombie film with a little bit of comedy in it. It's like right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, which oh, is really yeah. one of the first horror movies I've seen that does take place in the middle of COVID, interestingly. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but two men in Seoul, they b- break into a container from China that's got a bunch of jewelry, but there's a cat in, that jumps out of there, attacks, scratches one of the men, and then he almost immediately gets sick. Get and then turns into a fever. zombie. And then before you know it, Yada yada, it's like basically Dawn of the Dead because this all takes place in a mall too, right? What no, I guess so sort a of good portion. It's an office building. Uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, not a mall. Different. Um, 
I hated this movie. Uh, <laughs> wow. I strong. I also, I think after I watched, I think I talked to you about this at one point. It was like, you know what? I'm done with zombie movies. This killed it for me. I like, I stop. We'll Just find stop an, it. We'll find another one. For Fig, figure it out. Stop. This is, this is pedestrian. This is dumb. The gore effects are, and like the practical effects, right. I mean, like are so cheap. It just, it, they throw in cheap CG blood and gore. And it's like, it just looks terrible. And I'm like, this is a cheap cash in of a movie. If I ever saw one, like, I don't even know who this is for. It's one of those, like, I'm reasonably sure that most of the stars in here are like well-known, like, pop performers like the the lead guy g uh g il ju apparently was in a very popular tv series called weightlifting fairy kim bok ju no no idea and uh hello my 20s but say say that say that tv show with pazuzu's voice (laughs) weightlifting fairy kim bok ju (laughs) that's I feel like after I say that, like, <laughs> then then the waiter is like, "How spicy do you want that?" <laughs> it, it also seems like a slightly offensive. It, does. <laughs> it is definitely slightly offensive the way we're approaching this. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, he's like a, a big cutie that, that that the girls like. like oh, yeah. You know, he's like if they had Teen Beat magazine in Korea, which they might, I don't know, yeah. hey, he'd be on it. Well, but I mean, it's one of those I, they like just, they're in a hey, boy this band. Guy is, in. This guy is a successful uh, cutie. Let's give him a movie. And you know, to be fair, Americans been doing that for years with like we got these uh, uh, successful I, cuties and let's let them all get killed by somebody with a hook. Sure, I like yeah. I, held, I held nothing like against the idea of putting people like that in movies or anything. And 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 sometimes it, it pays off really well, like Scream or uh, I know what you did last summer to you know or lesser effects or, or whatever. And uh, you haven't but, seen it, but it's great. I haven't seen it. But um, this though, it's just like it, it's such a boring uh, like way of going about a zombie movie. And and again, like this, the kills are just it's bad. not like nothing happens. It's just that nothing interesting happens, right? Like, and there's this whole thing where like the lead star is like, oh, he knows like martial arts. But not very well. It's clear this guy is not. I, I mean, in the context of the film, they're supposed to be like, yeah, he's great at it. But I'm like, I don't watch a lot of martial arts film. And this is an actor who looks like he doesn't actually know martial arts. He's no. supposed to be this badass, yeah. which is the thing I'm always saying. I would like I would love to see a zombie or vampire movie where it's like Jet Li versus an army of the undead. Sure. Right? Yeah. And like, I'm like, cool. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah. But this is a guy who doesn't really know much arts, and it's just boring as shit watching this. And it's, it varies how good he is at based on the necessity of the scene. And yada, Man, yada. I, it's I feel bad because uh, there there are times when you and I are discussing and we we're watching the movie, and then all of a sudden that pesky phone comes out. Yeah, and we just say like, you know what? It's better than this. Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, has this actress ever been naked? No. <laughs> it's no. just, it's, it just, this one, my phone was out a lot of the time and I was just like, okay, let's get to the, you know, A to B to C to D. And like, I just, it's very, uh, you know, play by the numbers. And I, I just, this was very unfortunate. I, I did not like this. Well, our next one is a, uh, a oh, is there anything on the Blu-ray? No. Okay. Or if there is, I don't care. Um, <laughs> The next one is a Thai horror film called Creepy Crawly that I will say, if it wasn't for the horrendous quality of the special effects in this, like just even worse than the previous one, then this would actually be a watchably fun and kind of creepy little horror film. Uh, But the effects get to a point by the halfway point that they're so constantly going on and they so are just 
they're just bad, bad. Centipedes. It's just like, oh my God. I, it just takes you right out of being scared by it. It's, oh man, it, it gets like almost asylum level special effects at times. You're just like, good Lord. Um, yeah, watching these two movies back to back was a, a really big mistake on my part because I was very angry <laughs> towards the end of it. Like, the, watching movies for digital noise, it's like a roller coaster from hell. Because, uh, like, <laughs> sometimes you have, like, really awesome. I know what you mean. <laughs> it's like you really have these great highs, and then all of a sudden you're on a low and you're just, like, trudging through, and you're just like, God damn it, can we go back up? Please. I mean, but, again, this is one I didn't hate watching it. I didn't like, hate like, watching it. Like, I was it. mad at the other one, and I'm watching this going, man, it's such a shame because this is actually a reasonably well shot and acted, yeah. uh, like, cool, creepy, like, insect story type thing that's yeah. got also got, like, demonic shit going on well it's it's also it has like reminds a, me of resident evil if it all stemmed from bugs sure uh, well it it um it I, the way they explained it though is that i guess because this is what i think this is thai isn't it i think this is thai yeah yeah it's set in bangkok bank yeah um so uh they have their own lore it's you know like when you watch you know uh foreign films or even american films that have their own like you know quote unquote like lore or backstory for like ghosts and shit like that here it's like oh i guess they have like this whole thing about centipedes and shit i did not know about this uh, well okay so here's the thing in thailand the largest venom- venomous centipedes on the planet are from there. Right. And they can be like a foot and a half long. Uh, yeah. They're like huge, Gross. creepy things. So I can totally see why they're like, we should do this. The horror movie about these yeah. fucking things. Because who's not fucking freaked out by a centipede that can kill you? Right. Like, that's that's messed up. And uh yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is another COVID lockdown movie. Yeah. Weirdly, from the well go put out both this and the last one. It's weird they put out a double like release from two different Asian countries that are both take, taking place uh, during COVID. Yeah, yeah. But it's all these people staying at a hotel that they paid a lot of money for as a quarantine stay, where they're, they're like, "We're going to take good care of you," and everything is like, you know, we're, we've got every health concern, everybody's yeah, masked yeah. up, and everything. Uh, but they're supposed to be there for two weeks because at that point this is right at the beginning of the COVID outbreak nobody knew how long it was going to go on for years oh, there's uh, probably just a couple of weeks right yeah well i think we all thought although they'll have this wrapped up soon it'll be fine oh man it'll be fine it'll be everything but fine. there's like all different types of people in there little do you know and everybody's kind of obnoxious in their own way and has their own problems including the staff uh and the main guy runs the hotel is kind of the villain where because he's like no matter what my hotel can't look bad but the place gets getting overrun by these centipedes that are connected to a centipede god. I yes. Know. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, that part confused me, but it was Look, here. Again, in the movie. maybe in, in Thailand, everyone's like, uh-huh. There's and a, like, they get it, but. Things with like, people get possessed, like the centipedes will crawl into people's mouths and then possess them. And then they can do like Resident Evil villain shit. Like their arm goes and turns into a giant spiky thing. Yeah. You know? Okay. So this is where it gets a little like anime-ish where oh, totally. it's just like all of a sudden it's like body horror kind of shit yeah. and you're like yeah but the effects don't look that good and no, they uh, look terrible yeah and so but I, I did like this more than uh, Gangnam Zombie it was actually trying to do something different yeah whereas Gangnam Zombie is not trying to do anything different at all and no this is like okay you all have a solid idea here it's it's not a bad idea at all there's and, some really cool stuff in here and some gory deaths yeah but like like I said, it just gets to this point where it's just this bad CG fest, and you're like, I can't be scared if it looks this bad. Right. Uh, the the thing that saves this movie is the the character development is a lot stronger in this movie. 
um the I, yeah i like i actually cared about like what was going to happen to some of the characters like, at least like the, some of the main characters yeah and like and hoping that the bad guy would get his come up they seem like real people on a way i mean the bad guy is very cartoonish but, it, well sure yeah. um but yeah once um this it's like um you know they're almost like a the too big for their britches kind of thing like the idea itself yeah. is like yeah we want to do this like you know this famous god centipede story and uh but put it during covid and the, but the centipedes are killing people and like okay uh, i was like are you gonna get real centipedes oh no they're ven- venomous we can't do that <laughs> and i was like so it's gonna be cg heavy and i was like oh it's like who's doing it um you know like there's this new walking dead game out right now uh like let's do get them to do it oh, yeah i've heard i just Terror- been seeing everything walking people dead say destiny it's the same studio that put out that kong skull island game that yeah. everybody else is also saying oh man it's such dog shit yeah and yeah the new walking dead apparently just as bad i forget the name of the company is even like sounds like this is literally a term for shitting something out like <laughs> just for the money like cash grab entertainment hello i'm actually the ceo of the company <laughs> <laughs> well that makes a lot of sense actually yes. god damn you pazuzu <laughs> anyway so our next film <laughs> moving on uh, like i said creepy crawly like i want to give the guy credit for really doing everything he can to make a good film but it just needed more of a budget. Uh, next one is a re-release from Arrow of Last House on the Left. And you know what? I'm not talking about the Wes Craven original one that kicked off, was one of the films responsible for kicking off the horror boom of the 70s. Right. Which I, I've i seen it twice now. I still don't like the original Last House on the Left. So when you said we we're going to watch Last House on the Left, I was like... Oh, you know, I've never seen it. This, if you consider yourself a horror aficionado and yeah. you want to be knowledgeable, you should at some point. Like, there's certain films that you're not going to enjoy, but you should probably watch to be part of the conversation. Right, like the a Serbian original film. Yeah. Craven, not a Serbian film. <laughs> I meant more like Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes yeah, and yeah, yeah. a lot of other Wes Craven films. So, <laughs> I, right. I, I spit on your grave, you know. I, honestly, I, you think about it, it's like, Wes Craven's done like, a good handful of movies. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. he's one of those guys. He's like the Ridley Scott of horror. You're like, oh man, you've done some. <laughs> of, you've done some of the best horror movies ever made. Yeah, but everything else was kind of crappy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so when I popped in the the disc, you were surprised. I was surprised. I was like, why is this all oh, new looking? This is the 2009 version. Why is Tony Goldwyn in this? <laughs> And also, like, and Garrett fucking Dillahunt. <laughs> Garrett Dillahunt, uh, Ricky Aaron Lindholm, Paul, Aaron, Aaron Paul, Paul, yeah, and uh, uh, uh Sarah Paxton, Monica Potter, yeah, Monica Potter, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, fuck, this one, which I had not seen either. I had forgotten existed, quite frankly, completely. I did it too. came out in 2009, and I was like, I just assume that nobody saw this or cares about it because it's not good. Uh, you know, the thing is, overall, it was given moderately okay reviews. And it was not that bad. It's not that bad. It's I, not that bad. I would rewatch this any day of the week over Wes Craven's. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who but you? Wes Craven's. Are you apologizing to me? <laughs> Wes, I'm not apologizing to you, Bazooza. <laughs> uh, it's just the original is. There's. It's gross. There's an ugliness to it that along with the super cheap filmmaking yeah. it's just like this is kind of both making me feel sick in not a horror movie way just to like why am i watching this but also it's just not like well constructed at all yeah this is well constructed albeit it still is going to kind of make you feel sick and say why am i watching this? totally <laughs> and i have to admit uh so i was putting on the the first disc which is the 4k version 
And uh, which, by the way, this movie looks gorgeous. It's oh, a really it's, well shot movie. Which is weird. This director really never did anything else of note before. Or yeah, I, I was reading up about him. and um, But then I looked it up and I was like, Arrow released the 4K, which is the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. And then the Blu-ray is the unrated. Yeah. I was like, ooh, what up what, with that? What do I do? And so, of course, I watched the unrated. And uh, so you went ahead and drove that, drove that trolley right over the people on the track. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, so I... Liked it. Uh, I it's I'm, okay. Yeah, it's okay, and it it it's okay f- to some extent because of the quality of the production, mm-hmm. of the quality of the actors involved. These yeah. are all really good actors. Everyone in it, in it is like a plus. They're all really good actors, and they bring it to this movie too. Because it's such an when things get bad, it's like fuck. It's so fucked. And because uh, if you don't know, Last House on the Left is. Very famous, the first, the the original version and this version for a very famous rape scene. Yeah. And uh, this one pulls back much more than the original one does. Oh, Jesus. Because I watched the unrated. I was like, God damn, this is really fucked up. It's still conservative compared to the original one. God almighty. Um, Uh, But yeah, no, it's like this couple, they live out in the middle of nowhere in a nice house, kind of a their summer home. Their summer home. Yes, you're correct. And their daughter is a competitive uh, swimmer. But uh, she borrows the family car to go to town to spend some time with her friend. Who's uh, the friend who's the love interest of Michael Sarah and Superbad? Is he? Is she? Wow, I didn't yeah. realize that. It's been a long time since I saw Superbad. Uh, anyway, uh, so they meet uh, Justin, played by Aaron Paul. Who's this guy? No, 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 not Aaron Paul. What? No, it's the the son of Gary Dillahunt. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. He's, yeah. he's the kid from Unbreakable. That weird looking kid. Yeah, from Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah. The kid who's who's like the kid of yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's breakable. He's a weird looking kid. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, Bruce I know. Willis is un, S- sorry, and this kid. kid is breakable. Sorry, kid. Uh, Spencer Treat Clark. There you go. Uh, who was in also Gladiator and Mystic River. That's right. And Much Ado About Nothing and Glass. They call me Mystic Glass. That's a terrible movie. I didn't watch it. It's really bad. Yeah, I, mean, I like Split, but then I was like, okay. I was Split on Split. No, I'm not even right, 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 not even really there for the this. joke. That's don't want to do this anymore. Totally accurate. I was completely split on it. I don't think it's a good movie, but it's Sorry. better than most of other M. Night Shyamalan's films from that period. Yeah, so. M. Night Shyamalan is the Ridley Scott of M. Night Shyamalan. Anyway, so they meet that kid, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to come back to the, my motel room? We can get high." So they like, "Sure," and they go and get high. But his family members return, which is not good because it's Garrett Dillahunt, um, who uh, just Aaron Paul busted out of prison or and Ricky Lindholm. And they are crazy fucking people uh, who are are bad. They're bad, okay? They're bad, bad. Yeah. And uh, she ends up basically being really, really beaten, and her friend is killed, and she is raped, and she is left for dead, but manages to get back to the parents' house. Yes. Uh, but so the parents have put up, because there's a big storm, the, the criminals thinking like, well, we have to be good people. They came to the door and so we'll put them up for the night. Yeah. Because uh, we have a guest cabin outside of our guest house. Yeah. It must be nice to be rich. Um, <coughs> well, they are white. Yeah, they are white. That's true. <laughs> Wait, I'm white. Well, where's, where's my guest house? Come on. Do you don't have one? No. Wait, do you have one? I have multiple. Oh, Tony fuck. Goldwyn stays in one of them. I need to go to the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, white meetings. <laughs> They're great. I'm the chairwoman. <laughs> we have cookies. It's great. We wear these nice white cloaks. Oh, it's no. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Too okay. far, Pazuzu. Too wait, far. Um, wait. Are you <laughs> saying I'm going too far for making fun of white people and the Ku Klux Klan? Of the white Klan? meetings? <laughs> no, of the white meetings? <laughs> 
I was. Thinking, I think we can make fun of white I people for that. I was thinking of it in an absurdist way, as if it was a bunch of like liberal white people who were just wringing their hands over going like. But do you think it's? Uh, I just am worried that anyone might think that we're th- saying this by doing this thing, and then they go ahead and do it anyway. That's interesting, uh, Claire. What do you think, Tom? The modern clan is more. <laughs> It would be more like spend three weeks wringing their hands than end up doing the shit that fucks over brown people anyway. <laughs> so the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, anyway, so it's a revenge film, ultimately. Of the family going like, oh man, these people did this to our daughter? Well, fuck those people. And, and it gets very entertainingly brutal at that point. And that's what's cool about this movie. And this story, which I, I don't know if it's like this 100% in the original movie, which I... More I think, or less. More yeah. or less. But um, this is one of the few films that is uh, very subversive when it comes to the villains or monsters having the revenge on them. Yeah. And, uh, and that's different, which makes this... A, Definitely a little bit more glorification of like vengeance, which I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of things that are coming out, mainly Tarantino's shit, like in the like mid to, and late 2000s, where when this came out, you're like, okay, this kind of could make sense to remake this right now. And I think that it is, it happens towards the end enough where it, it just kind of wraps it all up, where like when the, the parents, Tony Goldwyn and Monica Potter, are getting their revenge and and actually using their skill sets, like Monica yeah. Potter, Potter is a little bit like, like a quote unquote, like sex pot sort of, and like being, uh, you know, yeah. uh, tantalizing to uh, Aaron Paul. But then Tony Goldwyn is a surgeon, and he's using his like knowledge of how to do certain things to help like the daughter, but also take revenge on the on the other uh, actors. I'm like, fuck, this is. Well constructed. I feel like if you're the sort of person who can, and I'm not comparing this to like a torture porn film because I don't think it's that type of thing. And no, also, I don't torture think so porn either. is a question mark. What is, what isn't? But one of the films when you know, you know, regularly thought of as being that is the hostile films. Right. And I feel like if you have no problem with the hostile films level of sort of brutality and darkness, then you're going to have no problem with this either. Because this, Cause this, is this like, does get really brutal and really dark. But it is, like I said, it, like we said, it's really well shot. It's really well acted. Um, I'm you find yourself in that point where once things get into, oh, it's the family getting revenge. You're just on the edge of your seat rooting for these people to fuck those people up. Yeah. (laughs) And it has one of the most like guffawed, uh, like ending shots of a movie where it was like, wait, what? And like it cuts to credits and you're like, you got to be fucking kidding me, movie. (laughs) Uh, It reminded me of uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99 where like the last shot of that movie is ridiculous. And you're like, are you fucking serious? And it's like almost the exact same shot. That's uh, funny. Yeah. yeah, it was like, wow, okay. Uh, so this new 4K version, which also comes with the Blu-ray, as we said, because the 4K is the theatrical version, which is an hour 49 minutes, and the uh, Blu-ray is hour and 53 minute unrated version. Uh, it also comes with the introduction by the director, uh, commentary by David Flint and Adrian Smith. There's a series of interviews with the actors, screenwriter, producer, uh, and then out archival piece, uh, some about nine minutes of deleted scenes, trailers, and what have you in an insert booklet with an essay by Zoe, Zoe Rose Smith. Uh, yeah, it's I, this is not a movie I was going into expecting to really enjoy on any level yeah. because of my experience with the original and plus the fact that no one ever talks about this. But honestly, it's not bad. You should check it out if you if yeah. you're into the more brutal level of horror films. I mean, yeah, if you're into the like, if you're a sick that- fuck like us. <laughs> 
if if you're um if you are a sort of like completist with like a lot of those remakes that were coming out in the early to mid to and late 2000s with like you know hills have eyes and this and uh fucking texas chainsaw the first one yeah um like th- i think this is above the you know a gr- the grade yeah. like i thought i thought Agreed. this was pretty good yeah it's not like an all-time or anything but no oh sure is better than it has any right to be but if you're worried like going like if you're like i appreciate it, you're defending us oh come on guys don't be so hard on yourselves we get it you're not the, <laughs> you're not you're not sick fox it's like it's okay to like this sort of thing well just wait till you hear what we have to say about our next movie because then you might be like oh no wait you guys are in fact sick fucks oh lord so you must be asking yourself what movie could they possibly be talking about that is this possibly disturbing? No. Well, I mean, <laughs> first off, you all, have, you, I, I will be shocked if you have ever heard of this movie called The Dead Mother, a 1993 Spanish movie. I'd never heard of it. I have talked to most of the film nuts I know and brought it up with. Have you heard of this Real film? psychopaths. And none of them. Yeah, real psychopaths. Like crazy great. Not a single one has ever heard of this movie. No. Uh, and it is getting a release now. Uh on Blu-ray by Radiance Films, who we've reviewed a lot of stuff by yeah. relatively recently. Um, I, I love the screeners. It's just like... Yeah, the screeners, like, they send us screeners where it's like, you know, we, we, the generic term is white disc. These are... They didn't even bother putting white on it. They talk like, about that uh, in the, the meetings. Yes, indeed. Like, what about these white discs? I mean, is that racist? <laughs> I don't know. Do you think I don't this, think so. This hurts black people. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't. I have. I have a black friend. Look, oh god. <laughs> uh, this this movie does hurt people because this movie is fucked up. It is really fucked up. It was funny. A review I saw on Blu-ray.com compared it to a John Fowles novel and the not as great at film adaptation, but still worth seeing. Called The Collector uh, from 1965. If you never read John Fowles, he's great. The Collector is a really good book, mm. but a guy who basically kidnaps a woman keeps her prisoner and and they have a weird sort of psychosexual relationship exactly yeah. uh and this is kind of where that is except imagine if that woman is severely brain damaged by him by him uh the idea being is that this guy ismail when the movie starts he's broken into somebody's house to steal stuff from them the the woman in question the, the titular dead in mother. the house shows up he murders her and then the daughter shows up and he shoots her in the head with a goddamn shotgun. Yeah. Somehow she survives. Although, like I said, in the most like she's got the brain of a child, a very, very, very small, like like, like a toddler m- brain. Mute. Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't say anything. But it's like it flashes to many years later. She's all grown up. She's like in her presumably 20s or so. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And she's in an institute uh, that, that deals with people with severe brain damage or various things where they can't take care of themselves. Yeah. But uh, he's got a girlfriend. They're still doing crimes. And he spots her and realizes this is the girl. Back then, she's still alive. And maybe we should, just in case, to protect ourselves. Kill her. Kill her. And like... Like, make no mistake, this guy hasn't changed. Like, there's an early scene, he's working at a bar, and uh, he gets in a fight with the the bar owner, and he really brutally murders this guy in a way I have never seen before. Death by beer. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh, that's a new one. That's a new one. Never seen that before. Yeah, yeah. That's Uh, really original. He is still a psychopath asshole, but, uh, you know, he's got this weird sort of like love hate relationship with this super hot gothy girlfriend that also commits crimes with them. Yeah. But yeah. He sees her and he's like, okay, well uh, I'm going to 
abduct her and then we'll kill her. But he abducts her and then can't quite bring himself to kill her. He's keeping her in the house and she's always like, when are we going to kill this? But why are we holding on to this girl? And the girlfriend is kind of like, are you in love with her? Are you you into her? Yeah. Like what's going on? And And the truth is like, what makes this film interesting is that it's not as simple as like, yeah, he's just going in there and raping her or something. No. He's got this weird mentality where, yes, I mean, she's outwardly hot, the actress who plays her. And most of yeah, her work sure, she, has she's been Yeah, she was a model. In, yeah, most of her work has been in very erotic films and yeah. stuff. Uh, you know, good arty ones, but, mm-hmm. you know, nonetheless, she's insanely hot. And... But she's like, she has no clue what's going on. I mean, she is no, she's deeply she, impaired. Yeah. And he's got her chained to a bed. And like, there's points where he's like toying with her breasts, but he can't quite get to the point where it's sensual, you know? And it becomes clear that he's fighting within himself. This part of him that's weirdly paternal towards her starts to grow. Yeah. And that's where the movie really takes off. Cause like, okay, look, th- this is a movie that is, I would, we discussed this right after we watched it. We're like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? This is this is great and crazy. But it is a an odd character study on a true like psychopath. Yeah. Because he you see him going through all these different emotions from having this like this uh this like kind of stricken with grief like every now and then and like he can turn on a dime Mm -hmm. on like wanting to beat his girlfriend or kill someone and just being absolutely vicious and then being very paternal to like the 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 girl yeah but in a way that's never heartwarming and it's never heartwarming don't get me wrong you're not feeling warm towards this guy no you're just like something has broken in him in a way that in in every other story where something breaks in someone and they change, it's yeah. towards the dark. This guy's got a doesn't know how to deal with feeling non-dark things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's true. Exactly. And it is fascinating to watch. Yeah. Because this guy, I, I read a little about him and that he has predominantly been a comedic actor yeah. uh, before this. I mean, he's it, been he's worked with a lot of big Spanish directors. Like yeah. he's in Action Mutants from uh, Pedro, uh, not Pedro Almodovar, from uh, uh, Oh, uh, the guy who did Day of the Beast. I'm blanking on. Oh, right oh, now. oh, um, I, fr- I I know what you're talking about. Um, um fuck, uh, I forget his name. Uh, God damn it! Why is this uh, Alex de la, de la Iglesia? Yeah, uh, who's got a great show on HBO right now called Thirty Coins. Thirty you Coins, totally yeah. Check out. Anyway, um, yeah, really fascinating actor. Uh, everybody in here is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of mesmerizing. It's really well shot. It's really like there are other people who get involved in the story who you're kind of like, oh, these are our heroes. Nope, because they die horribly. It is. <laughs> he's he's a bad, bad guy. Yeah. But the story is so intrigued. It's so weird. And you're just feeling icky the whole time. And it really wants you to feel that. But it's this weird exploration of like this guy who like, he can't, he can't quite break through to the person he's always been in yeah. the scenario. Like he's like, like you think he's either going to kill her or rape her or both. That's certainly coming soon in this movie, and you feel that it's definitely going to happen. Or, or but truly love her. Yeah. Like it's the it's all these emotions at the same time. And then, and, and then when it gets to the ending, the last couple shots are this fascinating idea of just sort of like. Nothing, everything that has been in his head is just an illusion. Yeah. You're like, it's just all like there's, it's like his, as close as he can come to feeling guilty about something. Or or having realization that it, yeah, it was all for naught kind of thing. And man, this was, 
like I I felt like uh, I think I talked to you about this a little bit uh, off mic where like no one can direct a like a uh, just a horror like romance than a Spanish director feels like because it just like it's so gut wrenching and and devastating and just incredibly interesting uh, to see these characters interact and because everyone you just you know where they're coming from they're they're all very so strong from like the girlfriend to him of course and then the uh and then the young girl at the same time where she doesn't have a lick of dialogue in this entire film but still a tremendous performance by her yeah Yeah. like it's so fascinating to watch her and and then all the side characters too and you, you just you can't help but just not look away like you have to like just keep on watching just like what the fuck is going to happen when you have a movie that you're like i've never actually seen a movie like this before no, yeah like this is one of those where like this is new like i i, it, I went like I, I i i can't believe people aren't this isn't a film that isn't in the lexicon of films we know yeah about, yeah you know i i'm surprised uh in a lot of ways it actually reminded me of a like a mid to late two thousands, uh, Cronenberg where mm. it wasn't like body horror or anything like that. It was just very like, Oh, uh, just it's, like, it's like, well, again, to this time, I mean to say Pedro Almodovar, if Pedro Almodovar went there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, it feels like he's always toying with stuff that is on the fringes of what this movie goes there with. Of like, but just never extreme really taboo. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it never really goes there. There is definitely one moment where it is the, it's, Man, I don't know how this guy, the director, pulls this scene off uh, so effortlessly. Where it is a scene where the the main guy, the main uh, character Ishmael or Ismail or whatever his name is, yeah. um, he is um, trying to like make the girl smile or laugh because you he realizes that she's never smiled or laughed any time that he's been around her. And so he ends up kind of like breaking down and like trying to make her laugh. And he like puts like lipstick on his face to make himself look like a clown. And it is equally like an endearing and very intense, just like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen scene. It it felt like it's like this guy, this character, and it's an incredible performance where when anytime um, I always read about this where like when um, Heath Ledger's Joker is on screen, you're just kind of like, like you're just you're tense immediately. Yeah, There's just a sense of like this person Unease. has no rules. Yeah. Anything is possible with them. They turn their they turn, turn on, on a dime. dime. Yeah. 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 Like and it's. This and the scene goes to a couple places where I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen? And it's man it's so uncomfortable and it's so expertly done as a filmmaker and it's kind of a travesty that this is just like lost but like the thank christ we've seen this because this is great weirdly since his first film in 1991 director wanma bajo eloa which i'm sure i'm saying something some part of that wrong has only only made six movies wow one of which in 1997 airbag the movie he made after this was at the time the highest grossing spanish film of all time like Holy made shit. just sick money. And now I'm like, how do I not know about this guy? And I feel like I should probably try and seek out some of the mm-hmm. rest of his films. Cause this was a really fascinating, albeit very disturbing ride. This is sure. not for a casual viewer. No, this is not this like is a, not a, Hey you know, mom, this, you, know you know should what's, check this out. Don't watch this for Thanksgiving guys. No, uh, it's, not a, <laughs> it's not that kind of not to share with the family, <laughs> but I mean, it definitely like no question this. And apparently his first film, butterfly wings, which is also considered to be, very disturbing mm. um 
has created him as sort of a cult director in certain circles, mm. right? But not the circles I know, and that's a shame because they should yeah. be. And also, why isn't anybody giving this guy money to make more films? Yeah, uh, his last film was in 2020 called Baby. Uh, it's psychological thriller with gothic themes, and I'm now I'm like, oh, I gotta see that shit. Yeah, uh, like I'm. Yeah, this feels like a guy like the Spanish film industry is really great at genre stuff, especially horror stuff, especially diving into like, oh, nobody else goes there. But then when they do, they do it in such a classy, smart, involving way. It's odd, like, right? Like, right? It, it's, it I'm like, why isn't feels... Del Toro like propping this guy up going, dude, you should watch this guy's Right, movies. right. <laughs> like it's every single time they do it, like all the great like Spanish directors, they do it with odd grace where it feels has this like lilt of romance to it. Yeah. It just it always feels classy even though the subject matter is immoral and gross. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's such an odd combination but they make it work every fucking time. And this is no different. It like I I was so shocked by uh, out of all the movies, I mean, it's not spoiling anything, but like this is like wow, this is this like was the, the hidden keeper. gem. This is the hidden gem. Yeah. Um and I that's the best thing about doing digital noise is that you just have to be open-minded towards stuff that you have no idea what the fuck it is because yeah, sometimes it's like, this is a snooze. Yeah. But then you get this, you're like, never heard of it. Don't know anything about this guy. And you're like, wow, this is going to be on my radar forever now. Like, yeah. This uh, is, uh, this is stained in my skull. <laughs> like I, I, there are scenes in this movie. Where I'll never forget. And, uh, but like if for good reasons, like, wow, I'm so happy that I saw something that, did something different and I've never seen that before. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's special. Like it, it, that's, that's what like people who like really love watching anything, not just specific like genres mm -hmm. or just only watching like directors for whatever reason, but it's like, just like, Oh, let's just reach out and see what we can find. This is one of those where like, man, I, I feel like a more enriched, like, cinemaphile yeah. because watching this exactly and if that's not enough this is a solid release of stuff there is a commentary in spanish with the english subtitles by the director uh there is the story of the dead mother 38 minute archival making a piece from 2008 there's victor's kingdom which is a 1989 short by this director that's a horror short which i have not watched yet but i was oh. like i was like oh i gotta watch it when i get it back i'm totally gonna watch that okay well, shit, well, or no, you no, can no, hold on no, to it for no, a little longer okay, and watch no, it okay well trailer a gallery and a soundtrack cd which a great score as well yeah, for this. yeah i mean it's top top to bottom it's fucking good yeah all of it is really good uh we're gonna move to a horror classic one of the most discussed and films of all time musical i did not know this was a musical what because i the wicker man i have never seen the wicker man oh wait you thought it was a musical no 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 so here's the thing I watched this movie with Eric, and we're talking like, about, by the way, not the Nicolas Cage remake. We're talking about the original 1973. Yeah, we British did a flip flop on last film. last house on the left and this. It's like, yeah. oh sweet, the Nicolas Cage. Oh, this is the original one. Um, I I've never seen the original Wicker Man. I've seen the Nicolas Cage one. Um, I've still never seen the Nicolas. I, all I know about the Nicolas Cage one is bees. Yeah, like, <laughs> not the bees. Where did it burn? Where did it burn? <laughs> um, but uh, this uh. I, watching this, I was a little shocked by how much music was in this movie. I was like, and it, yeah. it kind of lived itself. I was like, it, could you argue this is a slight musical? Okay. So 
definitely if you've seen Midsummer, that is deeply influenced by oh, the Wicker Man. Good lord. Like yes. and there's a long tradition of these type of folk horror films which yeah. tend to follow similar themes, but the Wicker Man is considered to be sort of like I mean like it's the exorcist of folk horror films, you know, of where exorcist it's like the movies, one that yeah. yeah, the exorcist is was the the progenitor that started it all right. and then made just a billion people want to do that. This is that for folk horror. Right. Um and I remember seeing it when I was much younger and going, I, this is boring. It's not my thing. Yeah. But now I'm more, more into horror, more educated about horror, more into following. <laughs> and I feel the same way. <laughs> no, I didn't. I really enjoyed the shit out of this. Watching I it. didn't. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I um, I thought well, I was. You're young. So. Well, that's the thing. I kind of feel like the same way. I guess you felt like when you first watched this and it was like, it was kind of boring. And uh, I... I was um I was actually okay so the the story uh to catch everyone up is uh this detective or he's a, just a, a sergeant Howie played by Edward Woodward which will become relevant again at the end of the show uh okay yeah uh why because the movie that we're doing is based on a show that this lead actor originally was the star of in the equalizer what you're just gonna say it? Okay, fine. You're just gonna throw it out there. Oh, yes, sorry. The Equalizer television show, which the Equalizer movies are based on, what Edward Woodward played the lead character in that show. Really? Yes. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Whatever. <laughs> you can edit that out. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm not gonna do that. No, because I, I only recognize him from fucking Hot Fuzz, and which has oh, uh, sure. uh, pieces of you know the shit. Yeah, it's also got full core yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. So, um, he is uh called upon uh for to find this missing uh girl on this little remote island that's inhabited by all these freaky deaky people. Scottish island. So by definition, they're freaky deaky. Freaky deaky. Have you met me? Scots? I mean, come on. They are. Yeah. They're a little freaky. So I love them. They make great whiskey. They good scotch. Yeah. Um, but uh anyway, so uh he is a devout uh Christian. Yeah. Serious, he's a no nonsense asshole cop. Right. Yeah. And uh and all these people on the island are very uh frou-frou lovey-dovey kind of hippie-ish but like they have their own religion on the island yeah, it's very pagan very pagan and uh and that is the cornerstone of what this movie is really about is like this these uh warring ideas of what is supposed to be uh more morality uh compared to uh, amoral mm-hmm. <laughs> behavior because there are moments when he's like walking out of the the bar in the middle of the night and he just sees like fucking 20 people banging uh, like on the lawn yeah, they're like everywhere just yeah, fucking just and, fucking. and i'm like it's funny like i think there's a different reaction now to this type of film than there was then which you know this is britain in 1973 which how, is how dare you to some degree rebelling against like the 60s and the late early 70s where it was like okay everybody's like the older generation going what do we do with this but i think even then there was a whose side are we supposed to be on in this movie Mm -hmm. really you're which is the most fascinating thing about and that's what's fascinating about the movie is that and i didn't know about this uh, because i thought it was more about you know an everyman uh coming to this island like what the fuck and kind of like how more like midsummer is but like there is the also the underlining part of like depression with uh, uh, Florence Pugh's character. But with this is like more about like, what the fuck are these people doing? This is not what Christ would want. 
because he's so fucking devout. Yeah. And then throughout the film, kind of like, this guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> and um, even though now through the like cultural zeitgeist, I know what the ending is. I know what this movie yeah, is. It's one of the most famous endings of any horror film yeah. ever. And yeah. I know that the, the Islanders are, spoiler, I don't know. This is like fucking 50. It's, it's a 50th anniversary. Go fuck yourself. No. Um, <laughs> um, like if you don't know. So and, fast forward for a second if you well, don't want to know. Sure. Yeah. But like also like. For God's sakes, like you're you're listening to this to talk about like a movie that's fifty years old and you're like, Oh, the Wicker Man, I never heard of this movie. By the way, the Islanders, the bad guys, I guess. Uh are I, they? Well I mean, I was rooting for them the whole time. Sure, sure. Watching it now, I'm like, yeah, fuck this cop. Well, and, and that's what's really interesting. I think the is movie that is on the side of the island. It's totally, it it kind of is. <laughs> and it, it's um, you know, you get to see how you know, their, their way of living there, even though like, um, you know, me being an atheist and knowing that like they're pagans and they have their belief that like, if they, you know, do a, a sacrifice of some kind that they'll have, you know, fruit and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's not anti-Christian. No. This film. I'm, I I want to be very clear. It is not trying to be an attack on Christianity. It's trying to be an attack on state, a stoic conservatism, conservatism. Yeah. And the, the, the side of that that came out of like, well, I'm defending my beliefs by because I'm a Christian, so I'm better than you. It's right. a defense on, it's an attack on that. And I yeah. definitely feel that was the intention, even in 1973. I, I, I would agree. Like, yeah. I, and I think that's why one of the reasons it's so interesting because you're like, even though ultimately their act is horrific right. of, of what happens, it's still like, yeah, we're, I, I'm still at the end. I'm like, yeah, I'm still on your side because I think I would. I would do that too to that guy. I'd well, be on your side. Well, yeah, also, yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't want to get burned. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I don't want to get burned. Because <laughs> um, it, it is, um, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what in the hell was going to happen along the way um, to to the, because I, I knew the ending very well. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't know how it was all going to like come together. I was like, oh, well, that's really fun and interesting. And, um, and th- the ending is still very like conflicting and, and palatable. Like it's just, it's really, uh, just, it's a lot, uh, where he, you know, it, he's in the, he's in the fucking wicker guys. Watch the goddamn movie. It's 50 years old. Fuck you. Um, (laughs) the movie is literally older than me. Okay. I mean, it's one of those, again, like last house on the left, we were saying earlier, it's like, if you want to have a solid ability to discuss horror and the yeah. history of horror on any level, this is a classic alongside Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street. Right, right. It's one of those ones that influenced everything that came after yeah. in a huge way, and you really should see it. And maybe it's not your thing. Like, it wasn't for right. But <laughs> I mean, it wasn't for me when I first watched it, but I have come around to it now. I was like... I really liked this a lot. I like, here's the thing. I appreciate the movie. I don't think I'll ever go back to watch it again. Cause like, Fair all enough. right, got it. And, um, <laughs> and I, um, but the, the other part of me also is like, this movie's kind of goofy. Uh, cause it is, yeah. it is oddly light. Like it, what, what, well, what like, I mean by that is so like, much of like, the, like incredibly overwhelmingly sexual townspeople. Like, oh my most God. Notably, yeah. Britt Eklund, who's a legend and is just gorgeous. And, yeah. the, and then Ingrid Pitt, who's yeah. almost basically a British scream queen, but like, right. both like being 
totally naked and trying to seduce him and everything like and everybody's playing folk music and fucking and it's just ridiculous and, like it's and, like it's so over the top it's it's very over the top and here's the other thing too there's there's a sequence where uh i think it's ingrid Britt. is that her name uh, ingrid pitt pitt uh she is trying to seduce him through a wall and she is naked and no, no, she, no, that's Brit Eklund. Brit Eklund. Yeah. Um, and she's she's naked and she's dancing. Now here's and here's why I was joking about is this movie a musical? Because I would argue it is. Uh because there are moments where she people are singing in this movie, and they're, they're the the songs are oddly specific to the situation yeah. to where I'm like, wait, so this is not like an old timey song that they just thought like that they like they've been singing for decades. They're just like he, like hello, please, cop man, come through my room. You're from Scotland and you like Christianity, but you hate us all. And like there, there's so many things that she's saying. I was like, how? Okay, wait a minute. Like this is fucking Greece, but the Wicker Man. Uh, like yeah. this is fucking ridiculous. And that's where like okay, it was lean for me. A little trashy, trash in the canny, where I was like, this is not great. So there has to be a point. Okay, sure. In your, because we've had this argument already about what you consider to be trash in the can material, because you did demons for trash in the can, for God's sakes. No, no, we Wait, no, we did not. We no, we didn't do demons. I thought you said you did demons. We did the the church or something oh, like well, that. The church is nowhere near as good. That's like, well, I know demons we watched. That's where we watched question it. Question mark. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry. I think this is a solid, great film. It's a really great film. It's exactly what it wants to be and does it well. I don't think it's trashy at all. All right. <laughs> uh, Sight and Sound magazine has repeatedly named it the sixth greatest British film ever made. They're out of their fucking minds. I, it's this, really good. It's it's not that good. It's a. Uh, <sighs> it's um. I mean, it's slow paced. I'll give you that. It's it's, it's slow, slow paced, but it's also just it's so oddly goofy. I just I think that the that absurdist nature of it is supposed to be there very specifically mm-hmm. to contrast against his very staid christian that we do things a certain way britishism i mean once again it's a scottish island he's british R- cop right you know and he's there like because you know british protectorate and all that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's also sort of a a reaction against that of sure. like why yeah. is britain even involved here why do they have anything to do with us we're our own country you know? I, I guess I, I I was um maybe I had my own expectations of how I guess how serious I thought the movie was going to be because it's like no it's it's definitely supposed to be funny like at points I no question this oh, sure. is more about the subtext than it is about the text yeah like and I don't think that is a thing that makes it trashy I'm sorry I think it's <laughs> I think it's intentionally it's almost a horror comedy it, it's almost yeah but, but well, I, it's but, almost a horror comedy musical because <laughs> yeah, look right. they're singing constantly in the movie i know i know and they, this, constantly and, uh, admittedly they're like there's people I think fucking, and they're like problem, and johnny will hump and johnny will hump. Is that neither one of us are are really into the music and the movie it's not great music from our perspective. no it's like it's so like it's just folky 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 like, there's good folky and, like i love good folk folky, yeah. and like this one is just like and he played his dick inside of a child yeah, no no i know you're right you're right you're like, okay right. we got it wicker man we got it we got it i don't know i loved it i thought it was good i thought it was my it's one of my, my favorite movies of all time i was like i put it in my vagina <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd put the Wicked Man in my cunt. Fuck me, Edward Woodward. Fuck me, Edward Woodward. <laughs> uh, this, but it is a gorgeous oh, 4K release. Oh, they've made this beautiful art for it. It's in a steel box. It's really nice, and it comes with a ton of stuff. And this is the final cut. Because there's been like three or four different cuts of this film that have been released over time. And this by the is... way, we haven't even talked about Christopher Lee. He's good in it. Oh yeah, Christopher Lee, who is like the question mark villain or hero, he's the depending fucking, on how you look at it. He's the villain. He's the fucking. I don't know. He's the hero in my mind. Oh, mind here, but uh, tons of stuff here. Revisiting the locations of the Wicker Man, which is a brand new program. Uh, uh, goes through there and looks through where 50 years ago was shot. It's 50 uh, years ago. There's a new program, uh, uh, The Wicker Man at 50. There's uh, the original. The Wicker Man's not looking great at Which, 50. by the way, both of those are hosted by the son of the guy who wrote this movie, which oh. is kind of cool. Uh, there's uh, the R- Robin Hardy's script. Robin Hardy is the original writer. The Lost Ending, which uh, they go into the variation of the, that would have happened. There's an interview with Britt Eklund, which is a new interview as well. She's still pretty. Oh yeah. Uh, stills gallery. There's a wicker man enigma archival documentary looking at its effect on people, uh, burnt offering the cult of the wicker man, um, uh, which has got Robin Harvey, Hardy, Hardy, Christopher Lee, the uh, writer, Anthony Schaefer, producer, Peter Snell, writer, David uh, Pinner, and historian, Ronald Hutton, amongst a lot of other people talking about both the history and the cult status of this film. There's Worshipping the Wicker Man, which unsurprisingly for this disc gets director Ben Wheatley, who's done oh, yeah. like Kill List, which was influenced by this film as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, James, Director James Watkins, who did The Woman in Black, and director Eli Roth, uh, and then a film critic and a film editor and music and film critic talk about how this movie affected the way they came into working with film. There's the music of Wicker Man, which you probably can skip if you feel like <laughs> right and I do. There's an interview with Robin Hardy from 2013. There's an interview with Robin Hardy and Christopher Lee from 1979. And there's trailers. And like I said, this also comes with uh, the director's cut and the theatrical cut. Yeah, and I a, watched the director's and, cut. And a Blu-ray version of the final cut. So it's a really solid release of a film that maybe it's for you and maybe it's not. But either way, if you consider yourself even tangentially interested in horror, oh, sure. you should probably watch it. I, you know, I mean, I, I would rec- I would recommend it. I, it just wasn't for me in the end. Because yeah. um, all I could think of is like, and the captain is on the silver spoon. I love that song. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it felt like the, every song was like trying to do that. I'm like, God damn it. I can't hear this like the also, fucking sixth time. I just recently time. had this total turnaround of the thing. Cause I've been, I've always loved Cat Stevens music. I love right? Cat Stevens. Amazing. Yeah. But then the whole like, oh no, you should totally kill the guy who wrote that book. Uh, the satanic verses. Remember that whole thing? Uh, wait, uh, oh wait, he said that? Well, he became a, was it Muslim? Oh, and uh, so uh, Salomon uh, Rushdie. Yeah. And so there was a fatwa announced yeah. against him and he was one of the people that was quoted as like yes we he needs to die but, i remember that so That's right. and that was when i wrote him off i was like fuck you man fuck you fuck you and everything you've ever done but then recently i saw an interview with him he was like yeah i was taken incredibly wildly out of context i never said that in that way and i never felt that way i don't believe that at all and i was like oh shit all this has been like over a decade i've been like fuck cat stevens and now i'm like all relieved i'm like oh i can like cat stevens again i think i didn't know any of that and it's just like a roller coaster in like one like two sentences i'm just like "Oh, oh okay uh, so we're going to move on to a Cat oh. Stevens with a cross. Oh my God. Stop. <laughs> Who even invited you on this review? I think we did. Did we? I think we did. Did yeah. we summon her? Yeah. 
Yeah. Is Wait, is it he, she, he? She, well, I mean, like, I mean, it's voiced by a woman, so. Okay. Anyway, next one is error release of a 1955 Humphrey Bogart film that I was Starring exc- uh, Pazuzu. Not starring Pazuzu. That I've always wanted to see called The Desperate Hours. And one of the reasons I'm interested in this, because home invasion films are always very interesting to mm-hmm. me. And there's just a... A, a very small amount of films that come out before the seventies that are that, that way. I mean, in fact, the first one dates back to like 1934 or something. I yeah. I was reading about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was, I, I remember watching this going, was this the first home invasion film? Mm-hmm. It is not, but you know, there's not many before it. And also Humphrey Bogart, right? Like who Playing normally a bad guy. Plays, plays like a, like anti-hero or at the very least, a hard bitten hero type thing and here sure he wow right up the villain yeah uh, <laughs> you know him and frederick marsh in this film march as well directed by the great william wyler uh who did ben hur amongst other films oh wow really yeah holy shit yeah uh, and this is apparently loosely based on actual things that happened it's loosely based on a real story because this is a play originally I believe so. Yeah, yes, it, Broadway, was a, it was a Broadway production that had Paul Newman in the Bogart role. Wow. Yeah. Like, okay, because I, I read a lot about this. This has also been remade numerous times. Yeah. Newman was not a big star at this point, and the reason Bogart got cast is because nobody knew who Newman was. Oh, and so, wow. Yeah, at that point, and so they cast Bogart instead. Man, I mean, this movie's good. Yeah, like, it's it's it, and it's oddly long <laughs> for yeah. what it is, but like. It's uh, it is very taut. Bogart plays Glenn Griffin, who's a leader of a trio of convicts that have just escaped from prison, and they've found this totally random suburban home, uh, in Indianapolis. I like bikes in front of the houses, uh, and they basically say, "We're going to hold you hostage until we figure out basically the way to get out of here. We've got a time limit here because we're waiting for a package that his girl, uh, Humphrey Bogart's girlfriend is supposed to be sending. That's going to send money uh, so they can help them escape. Uh, meanwhile, there's a police manhunt going on outside. Uh, the, the crew, the trio is like, uh, like Bogart is the guy who's like, like he is a hard bitten, terrible dude, but he's also the guy who's like, you know, we're not going to rape anyone or do anything like that. Cause it's just going to make shit worse. Right. Yeah. You know, he, he's like, very, you he's, guys keep your shit together. He's very pragmatic about the whole he's thing. Very pragmatic. Yeah, and, uh, and just like, look, 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 all we need to do is like you guys, he, he's threatening as hell, but like, if you do what I say, no one's going to get hurt. And we're just going to leave and get the fuck out of here with my brother and yeah. a big dude. Yeah. Some big dude. Who's like, obviously going to be the trouble. Yeah, who's like kind of dumb. He's yeah. the dumb one. Like yeah. the brother's dumb too, but he's also going to do anything his older brother tells him. Well, to do. yeah, and it, like he had like a slight heart of gold in it, like yeah. or they tried to present that, but I'm I'm glad the things that they did was like, wow, this is kind of subversive for 1950 Fre- fucking whatever it is. Frederick March was one of the biggest stars between 1930 and 1940 in Hollywood. Mm. He was a huge celebrity, and obviously this is well after that. Uh, he's won two Academy Awards, a Golden Globe, and two Tony Awards. The dad? It's a big deal, the dad. Holy shit. Yeah. He so, was so good. Yeah, he's so good. And this movie is, it's kind of gripping. It's like, you you really wonder where it's going, too. You're like, there are all these people trapped in this house together, and you're like, what is the plan when things are not going to work out? Because you never get the feel that things, plans are going <laughs> the way that the, the villains want them to go. Yeah, it, what it would have reminded me of, uh, I, I think this is a fair, because it's a home invasion, but also a bottle 
movie as well um because it, it primarily takes place at the house yeah and uh it reminded me of green room yeah and totally. uh and i wonder if jeremy solnier just like watched this movie like well, i want to do that you know it was also remade with mickey rourke yes 1990 so uh, here's Anthony the thing. hopkins I, mimi rogers yeah i i was uh um when i, I put in last of a uh, last house on the left i was like Oh, it's all the new remake shit. And so I was put in desperate hours. Like, I guess it's the make your work one. I'm like, oh, this is the fun. Oh, finally, the good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that being said, the ref is essentially with Den- oh, with uh, Dennis uh, Leary. Sure, yeah. It's largely the same story. It's just played for comedy instead of. Right. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, this movie or the play has been remade into a film numerous times at this point, even like into a TV movie or something like that. Yeah. And uh, but this was like, I guess the the upper echelon one yeah and uh it's the best version it's the best version outside of the ref which again is just only at best loosely connected right to it. yeah but uh you've seen this story before where it's like again the convicts breaking in and then the family is just like but what's really interesting about this film is that the the links that they got convicts go because they they stay there for like numerous days and uh where they are trying to get ahead of every um, situation possible with the family because they have to think about like, well, the family has lives. So if they don't present themselves publicly, right. then um, the, something they know is going, something's yeah. going to be and up. more people start showing up because the girlfriend's uh, the girlfriend, the girl in the family has the, got a boyfriend that is kind of toxic dude. It's like, won't leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Is almost stalking her. As near as I could tell. And he's like, no, I won't take no for an answer. I'm coming in type of thing. And they're like, great. Now you're one of our hostages type of thing. Right. Like, okay, sorry, dude. Yeah. And a lot of like guys, like the the family is constantly trying shit, you know? And it's, it's really gripping where I I love it when it's like last on last house on the left where these normal people are put into such an extreme situation to where like, okay, let's see what, what these characters do. And what they're made out of. Yeah. And like, I love that with like the dad, the mother, and like, hell, even like little kid. Yeah. Uh, Charlie or Ralph. It's got his own shit going on. Yeah. yeah. And he's it's like, like, I got a plan. Yeah. And it's like, no, oh, kid, you're, that's why you're eight. Uh, you know, I think this is a very solid film for its time. I don't think it 100% holds up. I think that the ending feels a little like, okay, well, we all know this is the way it was going to end, but I kind of wish it had more interesting ending than it does. I, I, I like the ending though. I, I, it's I, okay. I, I, want, I don't know. It's acceptable. I, I like that uh, it's it's basically what you expect, but I think the the end the ending ending is not what is important. It's the um, right before where it's the 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 father and Humphrey Bogart like having their confrontation in the the kids' bedroom. Yeah, and like I think that's what's the most that's, that's the, the climax. Most, yeah, agreed. And that's what I think is really cool. Now, that sequence is great. I just I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't a hundred percent on it, but I also feel like it's a movie that I wanted to to sit and think about for longer. Yeah. Like I'm like, I feel like the second time I see this, I'm going to like it more than the first time I saw it. It's one of those. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, I, and it is a film. I want to see a second time at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I I love Bogart. He's great. Buggy fan. And he's, it's, it's gripping. It's, it's very, I mean, it's funny when you watch older movies like this because it was like what 1955 or something like that. It's like it's fucking old. Uh, it was 1955. You're correct. 1955. Yeah. And um, so watching these movies from then and seeing how, because you're you're wanting to um, 
put into context the the time frame when it came out and how oddly subversive it was. I'm yeah. assuming for the time. It feels like it was yeah, probably I mean, really subversive. Yeah, because it's like, you know, it's like when you... By the way, you, you want a funny <laughs> trivia fact about this? The house they filmed it in, it's the Leave it to Beaver house. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's. It, I think that's what's really interesting about it is when you... Uh, you know, when people complain about like, you know, no one's putting things into context. I'm like, well, you fucking should. Cause like it, it is important. And, uh, and even for how, um, kind of pretty intense the movie can get, it's, um, and to think about it, it was done in 1955 when people were like literally clutching pearls. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're just like, oh my God. And, uh, cause today's standards are just kind of like, okay, well, fine. But it's still like, there's ten- like very, a lot of like tension filled moments. Yep. And it's like thinking about it then, it's like, wow, this is really good at what it executes how well did that clutching pearls thing work out for martha wayne i'm just saying (laughs) not very not Not very very. (laughs) this comes with a commentary track there's trouble in suburbia 38 minute appreciation uh by an associate producer in film intelligence studies at the university of warwick uh the lonely man which is a visual essay by the co-curator of the melbourne cinematique uh, which uh focuses on of course Humphrey Bogart scaled down and ratcheted up what is the audio interview with William Wyler, the director's daughter, who Ooh. remembers it being a very scary experience being on set. A oh, theatrical trailer, lobby cards, gallery, uh, and then a insert booklet. Um, yeah, this is a uh, one of those films I've always meant to get a chance to see. I've always been like a well aware of it and going like, I should check that out at some point. Yeah. So I was grateful for arrow to put out a solid release. Yeah. I, I, again, it's, it's one of those films like I've never heard of before. And, uh, and doing this, this show specifically is like fucking a, like it, it feels like I'm going through film history doing this where like, even though this is not one of the most like highly regarded films of all time, no, but it but is highly regarded. It's highly yeah. regarded, but it's just like it's just kind of like lost in the ether a little bit. Where like, well, I mean, you don't talk about it enough, but it should be talked about, and it's it and it and it holds um a lot in cinema history because there's yeah. so many things that came after it, and we're influenced deeply by it. it yeah. Influenced, yeah, exactly. I, and that's the thing about doing digital noise is that we get to discover stuff like that, and hopefully, you guys listening get to discover it as well. Go like, hey, listen to us. This is well worth your time. Yeah, you fuckwits. It, as it is, we actually have a good week for that sort of thing. And speaking of that, our next film, the beast also known as the beast of war. Never heard of this movie, never heard of it, but 1988 American war film directed by Kevin Re- Reynolds that did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Waterworld, Waterworld uh, uh, the Count of Monte Crisco. Did he do the Patriot? Fandango. No, he didn't. He didn't do the Patriot. No, he didn't do Patriot. Uh, like he, he, by uh, director and screenwriter, he directed Robin Hood, Waterworld. Did he Count do uh, White Earp? Fandango. I think he did White Earp. Uh, no, no, he did not. Uh, he did Tristan and and Isoldi, which was kind of a big deal in 2006 when that came out. Ooh. Rapa, Rapa Nui. Do you remember that one at all? Oh, I do not. Well, it was it was big. Oh, you know what he. Uh, wrote was red dawn the original no shit yeah wow yeah. uh fandango was a huge deal though i remember that being a giant deal when that movie came out because mm. it was the big breakout film when when did that come out uh it was 1985 and for texans i was one that was a big deal um like spielberg helped produce this film but this was costner's first kevin costner's first starring role wow. in fandango but anyway we're not talking about that movie we're talking about this movie the beast which 
totally disappeared after it came out for years and years and years. Came I out wonder why. Nobody noticed it came out. But then weirdly, because of just people, I assume, finding it at like Blockbuster or something, got this cult following. And then people were like, hey, this is really good. It's one of those films nobody's seen, but you should check out. And whenever somebody says that, I'm always like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, like, I'm now like, I'm maybe, a little bit more open maybe, to those kind of things. But I, like, I have a lot of films like that in my history where I'm like, some of which is just, some films like that are like, they're just totally unavailable. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I wish someone would re release it so I could rave about it and serve a purpose so you could actually see it. Right. But this is one of those ones for a lot of people that was like that, where it's like, it was totally unavailable. It's now available again. You can see it. And you know what? It's pretty good. It's not too shabby. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's it, it takes place during the uh, uh, Russian invasion of a- Afghanistan, nineteen eighty one, and. Uh, it it's a very oddly simple story um, where it's about a uh, uh, the the Russian invasion. They're like fucking destroying a uh, Afghani uh, village, and um, it, it like. The movie is oddly uh, graphic at times where like because it seems like a more of a or it's trying to be like a little bit more of a like a bigger budget like little movie kind of thing like a like a mid-sized like you know it's doing the most it can with the the budget it has it's like a it's weird that it's an american-made film that follows a russian crew right right who who are definitely the bag and they're all played by americans uh there's like uh i forget his fucking name uh Wait, uh, are you uh, oh, Jason George pa- George uh, DeZunza? You yeah. know who he is. He's he always plays a fat cop. He was in No Way Out and uh, Open All Night and Skokie and The Deer Hunter and the Streamers. Right? And, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, and but Jason- the big stars here are Jason Patrick and Stephen Baldwin. Neither of which turned out to be really big stars, but they had their moment. Yeah, they both had it. Like Steve, uh, like Stephen Baldwin will always have the Usual Suspects, and Jason Patrick will always have the Lost Boys. But other than that, right? <laughs> well, know? and and Stephen Bauer from Scar. Face. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I forgot about uh, place uh, Taj. Uh, I mean, it's funny when you're like, oh, he's doing kind of brown face, but wait, he is. It's actually a brown. Person, he, uh, he's yeah. he's Mexican, uh, and um, but he's playing Afghanistan. So they, Afghanistan. They've been Afghanistan. The, Jesus Christ. They have a T fifty five tank, and they are attacking this village, and with because uh, they're, they're trying to take out Mujahideen fighters, and they're just. Blowing up, killing, murdering, poisoning wells, oh, like just a lot up. of like against convention of war shit. There, it's not a good group, right? Um, and it just slowly as they're they realize we don't know where we are in Afghanistan anymore. Well, well because they're kind of lost. They well, there is a, a very interesting turn. It's a it's the Act One break where they. Um, the the blowhard uh, uh, lead guy the, the George the yeah. commander he uh, says like no we got to take a right it's a fork of the road that's all it is and he takes a right where the rest of the the tanks go left and uh, but they're like a little bit far behind and so they just don't see the rest of the tanks going left and uh, as an audience member like that it's more of like dramatic irony where you just kind of see like oh they're going that way why they go this way whatever and uh, and basically. <laughs> all hell breaks loose because the the villagers and um this local uh group who are uh rebels say let's go fuck them all up 
because we uh, we found like an RPG and uh, we need to go kill this tank and we we saw, we saw that they're going the other way and then they're alone and they're lost and uh, and it just becomes this like hunt uh, a hunt movie. Well, uh, what's really interesting is that moment where he takes the turn where like the the crew among the tank is fighting among each other about yeah. at some point the morality of even what they're doing because well, Jason Patrick is Jason like Patrick the good is guy the driver and he's like look I'm like want I want to be a good Russian and a good soldier but this is fucked up and this they also is have a, not what we're supposed to be doing well they also have a translator who's uh, he's played by that great character actor he's like in the mummy probably and uh <laughs> <laughs> oh wow uh Eric Avari yeah, uh, I think who so. Is in Stargate, Stargate, that's Day, what it is. The Stargate. Mummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he's in it, and he, and man, he's it's such a good role, and it's so heartbreaking because the the commander is such a piece of shit. Because, yeah. But he is oddly empathetic because he also went through like he was in Stalingrad. Well, like, he he likes to play the empathetic card. I would say more than he is that you empathize with him. Right. Yeah. Cause he's like, I'm a hard bitten warrior. I've seen the worst of the worst. And like they like, called me tank boy. Okay. Like, and, and everyone keeps turning to him because he is the most, by far the most experienced part of the oh, crew. But the yeah. fact is that the guy is broken and is just like murder all these rats out yeah. here. Anybody who disagrees with me is one of those rats automatically. Right. And when it turns to a point where Patrick is like, no, I can't do this anymore, dude. He becomes one of those rats to him. And then you get basically a sort of weirdly revenge movie. Yes. You know, and it's it, pretty cool. It gets really cool, man. <laughs> I, I, I dug the shit out of it. This was a fucking fun movie. Uh, cause the, 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 the faction of Afghanistan's are that are hunting them, um, led by Stephen Bauer, um, uh, Raj, uh, they, <laughs> Uh, well, so the the Russians end up leaving Jason Patrick for dead, and then the uh, Afghanistan's uh, uh, they find him, and uh, and they like okay uh, through cause, uh, also just for the the film technique they are there's like, I read something recently is like there's three ways to do foreign films or foreign um, uh, stories mm-hmm. where he's like you do it straight like traditional where it's all actually in the language. Uh, so like it's Russian and uh, uh, Afghanistan. I forget what I don't know what their language is. Afghani. Afghani. I we suck. I'm sorry. American. So yeah. Sorry. You know, we'll have to bring up this up at the next white. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like come on. Um, and the, or you guys are totally right. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> you do it traditionally like that, or you do it in um with actors that are doing the uh the accents as well as possible, or fuck it, you have them where they're doing in English accents, or just uh, American accents if they're American. And so, uh, or like, you know, Chernobyl, uh, where it's, you know, they're speaking in British. So, um, and then... In British. And <laughs> uh, and British. Uh, and so, uh, with this, is that all the Russians are American actors, and they're speaking uh, English, and then, uh, at least all the rebels are speaking uh, uh, Afghanis- Afghanistan? Yeah, whatever. Afghani? Whatever anyway, the thing. So, yeah. um, oh. but like, that was cool, and, uh, uh, and so it's um it to see uh 
J- Jason Patrick, who we will talk here uh, about another movie in just a moment, man, he, uh, man, he is so good in this movie. Like, it's really fun to see yeah. him and Stephen Bauer speaking in this like broken English together of trying to communicate, which is funny. Like, when you think about like really what was happening is like they're trying to speak in like Russian and Afghanistan. <laughs> like, it was like, Jesus Christ, I don't know how the fuck that would have worked. Uh, but at least the English, I guess it worked a little bit. <laughs> Um, but they yeah. do great, like, uh, like visual cues, uh, like the, again, the, the, the technique, uh, or the direction, what they're doing is like, oh, they're, they're using more like sign language than anything else. Again, like tank, kaboom, kaput, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, this, this works really well. It's a thoroughly enjoyable, albeit somewhat slight, uh, war film. And, but, but still, sure. like, if you're going to watch it, you're going to have a great time watching it and go like, wow. A lot of the actors in here never got the fair shake they deserve. No. With like turning in performances like this, you're like, wow, they were capable of so much more and never got the chance to really show what they could do. It, it's funny. Um, I was thinking about um, uh, the one of the other dudes, uh, not Stephen Baldwin, the commander, but the other guy, like this, like the rat fink piece of shit guy. Uh, uh-huh. uh, he was in uh, Better Call Saul. Uh for oh, uh, Donald Patrick Harvey. Yes. Uh, and he got yeah. replaced by Pat, uh, Pat Healy. Uh, in the fifth season of Better Call Saul, but uh, he was in Die Hard too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> and he, the thin red line. He he plays a piece of shit guy. Yeah. Um, which is great. Uh, he feels like one of those. Oh, who, it's it's like a, a Garrett Dillahunt kind yes. of of his time. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I was trying to remember when we were talking about uh, Last House on the Left earlier. Garrett Dillahunt actually has once played a good guy, and I was trying to blank on what the thing was he played a good guy in. He almost never does, but I remember going... Oh, man, he plays... I remember going, oh, my God, he plays a really great, empathetic, cool, good guy. He plays the the right-hand man of uh, Tubbly Jones in No Country. Yeah, but, you know... Oh, my God, get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ, I swear to God. Uh, He plays... um, he probably plays a good guy in 12 Years a Slave. Um, you think? Really? That maybe. seems likely that he plays a good guy in that? <laughs> All the white people are good guys in 12 Years a Slave. No, he just normally plays a, a scumbag because he's got that kind of face. He's got that kind of face. He he, he does. You know? uh, he was not uh, good. He was good in... I feel like it's a TV show I'm trying to think of, but I'm not sure. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Hand of God? What? Uh, Brooklyn Nine- Oh, Fear the Walking Dead. He, he was a good guy? He actually plays a good guy, and then he's like such a charming, great good guy. Now, I am not caught up on Fear of the Walking Dead, so it's possible he turned into a total douchebag. <laughs> but like, they really played him as a guy at first. Everybody thinks, oh, this guy's dangerous. And then they're like, oh my God, he's the sweetest of all of everybody. He's this total like, kind guy. I'm like, okay, that was weird to me because he always plays assholes. Anyway, back to the beast. Uh, this release comes with a few things, a lot of trailers for other releases from Kino Lorber, uh, audio commentary by David J. Moore. And there is a, a hour and 22 minute documentary about the making of this film. And you know what? I did not watch. I that. did not watch it, so. <laughs> but still that's, that's a lot uh, like for a film that's so considered to be generally so minor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it, but our next one up is a film noir called After Dark My Sweet, released in 1990, right in the middle of the erotic thriller zone of Hollywood, where they're like, I don't care what the original intention of this is, it's going to be an erotic thriller. There was a lot of them. Somewhere our friend Nathan Flynn's ears are burning. 
Well, he was. He loves those. Well, yeah, he was. He was on a tear watching erotic thrillers for a minute. He was like, "Oh my god, I've wanted to watch After Dark, My Sweet," and like, "Well, can if you want to." I mean, <laughs> this is based on a Jim Thompson story, which is one of the reasons why it's of interest to me because I'm a huge fan of Jim Thompson. He mm-hmm. was a, a hard boiled crime fiction writer uh, who wrote in the 1940s to the uh, mid 1950s who was largely hated in his lifetime because his stuff was so bleak and dark and horrible. Mm-hmm. And people went like, Oh my God, what the fuck dude? This is what, you know, you're like, Hey, there's some things you just don't do. And of course was rediscovered in the seventies. And everyone was like, Oh my God, this stuff is fucking brilliant. Right. Uh, has been adapted. Much of much of the stuff has been adapted many times. The best adaptation is probably the grifters with John Cusack. And right. Annette Benning. Wonderful adaptation of his work. Uh, the killer inside me also really good adaptation, which I didn't know uh, was been made twice. Yes. Uh, yeah. I thought it was only the, the, the Michael, Wittenbarton uh, uh, bottom movie. The Getaway is also another oh, adaptation. Yeah, yeah. yeah Everything is very like times. sultry and sweaty in his movies. It is. Uh, certainly there is a certain degree of sexuality in all of his stuff, but not in a healthy way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it definitely has dead mother vibes. Uh, uh, and this is by directed by James Foley, who probably has... Like, he's done a lot of films that were well thought of. Like, At Close Range was a pretty big film for him in 1986, uh, which we've reviewed on the show, actually, relatively recently with uh, um, uh, Sean Penn in it. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, But he also did Glengarry Glenn Ross. Right, yeah. With the David Mamet, brilliant script, and The Chamber, which was a John Grisham movie. And he did uh, two of the Fifty Shades of Grey sequels. So, you know. That's right. He did did the two sequels, right? He didn't do the first one. That's where he ended up. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's kind of also like oddly fitting after you watch this movie, but it's just like, yeah, but you did better. Like, what the hell? But you know what? This is another Jason Patrick film. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Jason Patrick. He's a drifter, ex-boxer, Kevin Kid Collins. Oh, my God. He's not just a drifter and an ex-boxer, but an escapee from a mental hospital who ends up, because this is how it always is in Jim Thompson novels, in a desert town, uh, like a little tiny town, uh, he meets a sexy widow. Uh, uh, Faye Anderson, played by the, at that point, like one of the super hotties, uh, uh, Rachel, Rachel Ward, Ward yeah. uh, who convinces him to come in and be a workman at, at her estate. But clearly, like, she's got something else in mind. Her, she's got an acquaintance that everybody calls Uncle Bud, played by Bruce Dern, who's hatching a scheme to kidnap this rich guy's kid in the town and needs to convince him they're trying to convince him to help carry out this plan well here's the thing if it's jim thompson or any film noir thing anybody who's setting up something like this with a drifter coming into town everything is not as it seems and sure enough everything is not as it seems well surprise <laughs> uh it, this is one of the few also like erotic thrillers where i wasn't i i mean it would it was oddly erotic but with not that much eroticism. There's actually hardly any actual sex. Ever. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that one sex like, scene. It's just like, oh, there's a okay. lot of like, we are almost having sex. And then she goes, no, I can't. I can't. Yeah. And it, I'm like, what? It, this is a weird call for this. Well, uh, but, but they're also like, they're intense. I, I wouldn't even call it flirting. It's just like, they, they have this chemistry where they're just like, they're speaking in double speak most of the fucking time, yeah. which uh, I'll get to that in a second. But like, it, it feels like they're like everything that they're saying, they're just like in the subtext, like, I want to fuck you. Uh, and 
that that's the other thing too. Okay. I don't know if I like this movie that much. Yeah, I don't I feel the same. I I um the, I don't think it's a very good movie. No. I think it's got like a core very classic story, but it's sure. almost a little too classic. Well, and, and I, then, I don't really I I mean but, it's it's not that I don't really mind the the story too much. It's honestly the script than anything else because yeah. it is so fucking double speaky but where not it's that just clever. And it's not that clever. No, it's but not. It's not a great. It's, it's not it, that clever at all. Where it's like it's actually more confusing. It's like when, a like they. It, it feels like a first draft of brick. Where they, <laughs> yeah. they're making up their own See, language. I like, love brick. I love brick. Uh, but it's just like the way that they speak in this movie. Sometimes like what the fuck are they talking about? It feels like they just grabbed a script that wasn't done yet and went like, okay, it's fine. We'll just go with it. But it's like the way that they talk to each other is like no one on earth, even in a like in a fucking movie, would talk like this. But no, which it's, is fine if it's delightful, if right? The and it's not writing is that good. It, but it, it's like one of those that like feels like they're saying it's that good, but it's not really very good. You, you know what yeah. I feel? This is what I felt like the entire time. It felt like that <laughs> when they were talking to each other, it felt like Jason Patrick would say a line to Rachel Ward. And her next line, she just skips it and goes to the next line. It does feel like that. And it's just like, it's like, it's skipping ahead every other line. And it drove me fucking crazy because it was like, are they talking the same language? What the fuck is going on? I spent this whole movie rooting for it to keep, to get better. And it never does. It's just like. It just does everything you think it's going to do. Yeah. It goes through. It's like, oh, look how twisty you are. You didn't see that coming. I'm like, no, I 100% saw that coming. This uh, is what uh, it drove me crazy after, uh, after watching this, because we watched Lost Highway a few episodes ago. I don't know. masterpiece. I don't know how this movie was more confusing than Lost Highway. <laughs> like, this, that makes no fucking sense. I'm not confused by Lost Highway. Uh, well, okay. Well, um, but uh, it, it was, and, and like... The plot itself was so oddly like I almost hey, want to say, right. "This is me on the phone. <laughs> I'm at your house. Talk like, to me." Like wa- watching these characters make decisions, and when they would get angry about certain mm-hmm. things, I I was sitting there and was like, "You fucking idiots!" Like all of them were so exceptionally dumb. Yeah, and it drove me fucking. Everybody nuts. is dumb. Everyone is so dumb. Yeah, it, it's like it's watching a bad horror movie and people making really bad like horror cliche decisions. And this is like, Jesus Christ, Except like it doesn't have any of the payoff of a bad. It, horror it doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, do you guys like, like think through anything? Like, why do you think this is a good idea to begin with? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it never sells you on. There's a way this could work. No. Yeah. <laughs> and and like it's it's just and but it has this like this context of like the hard boiled uh just a uh, narrator by Jason Patrick yeah. Yeah, who's, who's the hero who's like si- very quiet and he's secretly smarter than everybody else who thinks they're smarter than him. Right. I get that. It's a very Jim Thompson esque trope, but it never sells here. It, but now here's the thing. I will say Jason Patrick is kind of great in this movie yeah because his body language and like and or like the way that he carries himself in the film is like holy shit like he you f- know that he is that character yeah even though that character is very contradictory to like what's going on like it's very 
weird and convoluted dangerous filled with the dangerous energy but so quiet yeah that like you like you don't know what's boiling up inside this guy and uh, And like he pulls that off he pulls off exceptionally well it's just the 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 story itself is so like oh fuck you like it's just it's 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 pedestrian it's very pedestrian and also just kind of shitty (laughs) like but the 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 acting is good. It's just like there are times when they're acting so well. It's like, yeah, this deserves to be in a better movie. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Uh, this comes with a, a recent audio commentary with the director. I just, I just read the. Sorry, I, I need to interrupt. Yeah, I just read, sorry, read, read the blurb on the, <laughs> the DVD. Like, what? all they risked was everything. That's a terrible quote. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. That doesn't dark. have anything to do with the movie. <laughs> it's like. Jesus There's Christ. another recent program, Primal Pre- Precipice, which Jason Patrick talks about uh, his history of work, work and uh, auditioning for this and being involved with it and what it meant for him in his career. Um, apparently for him, he thought this would be his big break. It was not. Oops, Daisy. Uh, uh, Call Me Uncle Bud, another recent program with Bruce Dern, R.A.P., He's dead, right? I think he died recently. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he died recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that why uh, it, about like his family was like, why are you even wanting to be an actor? Which is weird. Uh, and then a theatrical trailer. This is um, yeah, it's kind of a miss. I mean, I get it. If you're really into the history of like hard hard boiled crime films and erotic thrillers, sure you're going to watch it at some point. And you'll probably be like us and be like, that was not a great entry in that. No, uh, you know, it's funny. Like through almost this entire show, we've agreed dead on for every single film. Like, well, let's like skip the next one. Let's exactly go to last one. Exactly on the same page. Uh, as opposed to the next film that we're talking about, which is Strays, uh, which you were on the highly suspect review yes, before, yes. which I wanted to go see. I was actually excited for this. So this is this is a very uh, deep lore in the one of us uh, <laughs> .net uh, podcast network is that um, you conned me into... Uh, I did. Let, let, not, let, I was like, please... Con, I, con is not the right word. You forced me. I can't go... And it needs to have a core person, a person there to be able to record it and be the leader of the review. And I needed somebody to do it. And I trust you uh-huh. entirely. Yeah. It's by a director who's done stuff I really liked. Like, have you ever seen uh, Becoming Bond, the documentary by jo- about George Lazenby? Oh, my God. No. It's so good. I don't care. No. Because I will not watch it now because this movie was shit. No, the only guy, the only Bond who was only in one film. Yeah, I know, I know yeah, what. Yeah. Honor I, Majesty's I, Secret yeah, Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. All right. Well, um, shut up and let me educate you then. <laughs> I hated this movie so much. This I is, did not. This is so incredibly unfunny. It's so funny. It's not. I laughed really hard and watching this movie. this makes movie. so much more sense about you now. Oh, my God. All right. So this is one this of those. This is Pazuzu's favorite movie. <laughs> this is one of those, like, get a bunch of big name comedy actors to voice and animals. And shit out a movie. And, and do, like, one where it's like... It, Honestly, everything about this says I probably shouldn't like this. But uh-huh. I saw the trailer. I thought it was funny. I thought Josh uh, Greenbaum Did you have like a, a, a brain uh, like situation it. like the dead mother? It's got, what happened? Will, Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, Isla Fisher, <laughs> Randall Park, uh, uh, Will Forte, Harvey Guillen, Rob Riggle, Brett Gelman, Jamie Demetrio, and Sofia Vergara. That's a great fucking cast. And I was like, this could very well be very funny. It's a, like, I think it's rated R. I think it's, it's rated very R. rated R. Yeah. What are you talking about? They're, like, the dogs are talking about fucking each yeah, other no, all the very, time. Because it's of so, Chris, it is so funny when they do that constantly. <laughs> well, okay. I'm just going to say this. Yes. It's over 50% of Rotten Tomatoes. So I win. You mean, you mean 50, so is it 52%? 54. 
Oh, I was off. Which, oh. which, like, some critics said what I did, which is, uh, I'll give the quote uh, from the that, ro- this movie was rot- Rotten Tomatoes consensus, which is crudely effective and effectively crude. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, that's those sort of thing, crit- that critic right there can go fuck that themselves. That sort of thing usually is like where I go, no, that's not going to be for me because that shit pisses me. We, I just, we did review Dicks the musical recently where I'm like, it's kind of. Feels like you could describe it that way if you liked it, uh-huh. but I fucking despised it with every soul, every bit of my being, and everything that you dislike about this movie is mm-hmm. what I dislike about that. Except this is actually funny. I wonder if I'd like Dixon musical then. <laughs> that would be that, really bizarre. Yeah, right. But uh, um, Will Ferrell is the voice of Reggie, who is a border terrier living with his douchebag owner Doug, played by Will Forte. Uh, Doug. Only kept the dog because his ex girlfriend. Yeah. He bought it for his ex girlfriend. The ex girlfriend left, and he and then he was like, "I'm keeping the dog to piss you off." But then he hates the dog. But He's trying Reggie, to constantly Reggie's the dog who's like everything that Doug does to me. Everything like he says is just out of love. He loves me, and I love him. But Doug keeps trying to like drop him off further and further from town, and he keeps finding his Coming way back. back. So he goes, "Fuck it, I'm gonna drive three hours away to the big city and drop him off there." Which is too far because uh, Reggie cannot find his way back from there. But he meets a bunch of other stray dogs. Uh, that was right, not me. Uh, um, it was me. Uh, uh, voiced by any number of the aforementioned cast. And well, well, who mainly, are, like, uh, who are like, look, dude, you have to accept that your owner was a sh- piece of shit. He didn't love you. He never loved you. Well, Bug is, is Jamie Foxx, who becomes his like best friend. Yeah. And he's like, man, fuck him. And then, like, basically, this, he shows him the, the ways of the street dogs. Where it's right. like, yeah. yeah, basically, fucking things, and then fucking things, yeah. and then fucking it's things. It's fucking funny, dude. It's so he's funny. He's fucking and the whole man, thing is my God, it's so like, funny. Gnome, it's just it's, like, it goes on. He's like, are you my it's son? It's like, it's so, it's so like, funny. It, it it's, really is funny. It's so funny. Oh, my God. You know what's really funny when the dogs say fuck a lot? It's you should so watch funny. it again. I did. Okay. So here's it's a little be- really here's a little behind the ca- the curtains for digital noise. There are some times when there are movies being released on uh, Blu-ray or 4K where we've watched them for uh, uh, highly screener, suspect yeah, highly yeah. suspect or screener squad, and then uh, Chris and I will make a very executive you know decision like, uh, no, I'm not watching that again. Um, mainly, it's me, <laughs> and uh, and no, I, I do that too because you're like I saw this three months ago. I right. know I still know it. I yeah, I still remember this. Yeah. And I saw this, uh, you know, Godforsakenly, a little bit ago, and uh, and I was like, uh, no, I'm not watching this again. I don't fucking care because I remember this a little bit, and I remember how much I fucking hated it. I don't understand. I literally because don't Because it's not understand. funny. It's not funny. I mean, I know that the, humor, the jokes are so tired after humor, the first like because all it is like isn't it funny that dogs say fuck and they want to fuck things? It is that, funny. That's the joke the entire time. Also, they're adorable. They're and they meet other dogs have their own weird, quirky, adorable they things. All they all are just f- wanting to fuck things. Right. That's the joke. Right. Why do you hate dogs? Well, okay, that's a whole other show because I actually don't really care for dogs. But uh, oh, now it comes. Well, now it you, comes. You own three fucking Here cats or go. something. Doesn't like, mean I don't like dogs. Look, dogs are a little like mm-hmm. Reggie's character. Like I know, oh, like I that dog right there is like okay. I get it. I understand. You're just why. racist against dogs. I get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> they're not a part of the white club. <laughs> so, um, but I, 
like I, I dogs are cute and fine, whatever. But like the, the just the tired Not spoken fuck, like someone who hates dogs. Well, yeah. okay, but the the thing is like the tired ass joke no. of no. just going back and no. forth of just like, oh, isn't no. it funny that they no. love to fuck no. things and no. they want to eat shit? No, it's no, it's no. so no fucking bad. No. This no. is one of the worst movies of the no. year. No. Yes. Are you done? Okay. And stop saying no. It's bad. Right, you're wrong. It's bad. Because this movie's laugh out loud funny. It's not. I had so much fun with this. And you were so preparing me for it to be garbage. And I went, wow. I was I'm like, shocked I'm how much I'm literally you liked sitting it. there like cross-armed. Like, you know, like, like okay, fine. Let's just get this fucking over with. <laughs> and then I'm just like, eh, that's kind of funny. Eh, that's kind of funny. And I was like, by 15 minutes into it, I was like, you know what? Fuck right. This is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to the dark side. I had a good time watching this. I really laughed a lot. I think this is like one of those movies that be a great stoner movie. Like, I think it's a well, really sure. great stoner movie. I mean, movie. They, they do get high at one point yeah. because Which they is, have admittedly, to. That was my one weak point in this film. I thought the, the sequence, oh, the, the obligatory rated R comedy of this type, where like, oh, the dogs get high eating a bunch of mushrooms is nowhere near as clever as it should have been. It's okay, but the payoff the, for the it was that, fantastic. The fact that you're putting clever in the ending payoff a, is about fantastic. Any of this, it's is, clever. It's not clever. It is clever. Nothing about this movie is clever. Oh God, this movie God. is so fucking dumb. All right, and well, yeah, this I clearly can't just talk to you about this. No, it, like I, I don't even know how to like talk about this with you. It's like everything fails on it, like just in it expert level like it's uh no it just the, it, it kind of succeeds on an expert level oh my god the comedy is so fucking pedestrian this and is shitty movie 10 years from now people will talk about it in a way that like oh man it's one of the all-time classics fuck because they discovered you. after no the fact, and no you're way. gonna be like no way. i can't believe this is happening right no you know now. what i, I want to stick to okay. it's like Step Brothers. well i saw it and i was like this kind of sucks and I uh-huh. really did not like it. And then everyone in the world disagrees with me. It's like, no, that's an all-time classic. And I still think it kind of sucks. But I have not gone back and rewatched it. Maybe I'd find different things in it now. I mean, it's... But, but I'm just saying, this is like that. This is the same thing. Mm. Where you're like, you're just wrong on wait, this Wait, wait a minute. But you're you wrong not, on this Wait, one. but hold on one second. You just proved yourself wrong because you have not seen Step Brothers again. And I have seen Step Brothers again. And it's actually kind of funny. Yeah, maybe if you see this again 10 years from now, you'll be like, oh, wait, that was God, I really hope I'm dead by then. Anyway, there are some bonus scenes here. <laughs> Talk like a dog behind the scenes with the lead actors. They record their dialogue. Uh, oh, it's bad. It's hysterical. The ultimate treat making strays from the director and cast. Continuing to talk about the film. Pops, booms, and shrooms. Yeah. Uh, about the three of the big scenes in here. Uh, Will Forte, stray actor with Will Forte specifically. Training to be stray. Uh, look uh, how the trainers train the dogs to do this which okay uh, wait, wait one second wait, real quick okay the the training of the dogs like the act the dogs acting yeah very well done everybody stop right had something good to say about that is the, the literally the only thing to say it's now, amazing granted, they got them to lip sync as well as well, they did now here's the thing <laughs> the fact that they didn't milo and otis this shit and kill those uh animals that's kind of unfortunate oh but my uh god what what did i say <sighs> <laughs> yes, my little notice is my favorite movie. I don't know when you're possessed and when you're not. 
It's hard to tell anymore. A new best friend, uh, again, working with the dogs, uh, a feature-length commentary with the director, writer, and writer-producer. No, if you want to like take a couple of pills and drink some alcohol. We're going to move on to a film we both agreed on, and which is funny because a lot of the other people I've talked to who saw this did not feel the same way we did. Really? Equalizer 3, the third and, you know, it definitely, apparently they just announced final film in the series for Denzel Washington playing the lead role here. Three? He said, I'm... If they make more, great, but it won't be with me in them. Oh, um, right. uh, but and maybe it'll be with uh, his uh, like a son. No, you're gonna say his son, daughter, sort of the daughter of his friend in the first two movies who dies oh, in the Dakota, second movie, Dakota Fanning, Fanning. Oh. who appears here in a role. I mean, uh, that who, would be really interesting originally, to see Dakota Fanning as like an action star. Who, like, good who, for you. She was a man on fire with him. No, I I know great uh, movie. Oh God! Here well, we wait, go. do you not like Man on Fire? Man on Fire is a travesty. Oh my God, you're one of those. Oh yeah, I hate that you're, movie. You're literally the only person I've ever met who doesn't like Man. On no, Fire. that's not. I'm not the literally the only person. Uh, but I, no, I know no. a lot of people. I remember the first time I actually met people who liked Man on Fire. No, I was they like, loved it. What? They didn't like it. They loved it. It was it was yeah. shocking to me it's that great. Man on Fire is garbage. Well, like that movie is directed. But then by- again, Tony Scott did it, so it's you know well, it's bad. This wait what? Okay, we're not going to go there because oh, I don't have all there. night. I have all night, oh baby. God. This is directed by Anton Fuqua. The many, many, many collaborations uh, with Denzel Washington. Those guys work together. By the way, one of the best reasons to watch the bonus features on here is just a moment where they're talking about when they're first working on Training Day, the mm-hmm. first movie together, and he goes, he was so, Anton Fuqua was so nervous about working Denzel Washington. Like He's like, this guy's like a legend. He's amazing, and he is. And, fucking Denzel Washington. And he goes, uh, do you want to come and like look at the, the shot and see what you think? And he goes, look, man, the time you question about whether you want to get on the plane is when before you get on the plane. Once the plane's in the air, you're the guy flying it. What do I got to do? I'm just sitting here. Did <laughs> just Denzel like, Washington just Denzel Washington? Himself? He just Denzel That's, Washington. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to question you, man. I already made my choice. You're the guy. You're the pilot. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's like Pazuzu was like Jesus Christ, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> like I, 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 I cannot explain enough how much I one loved Denzel Washington and grew up watching Denzel Washington movies. One of my favorite movies of all time is Glory. <laughs> and oh wow, I love Glory. It's I it's, mean, Glory is a great movie, but that would not be. I think most people who would name a single Denzel Washington film as their favorite, that's not the one. That's name. always like stuck in my mind because okay. I, I grew up watching that movie because uh, one, it had like a murderer's row, of fantastic actors, but like we were really into like Matthew Broderick, but like loved Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, and uh, Carrie Elways, and just everyone else in this. Uh, you know, I'm more of a horror guy, so I always named Fallen. <sighs> well, I'm, sure, I, I worship Fallen. Fallen's great, I love it, uh, but. Uh, so watching Denzel Washington do anything, I think it's been, we've talked about this at one point, but mm-hmm. like we've talked about it in like friends groups where like, you know, Denzel Washington can literally be in like dog shit and he elevates it so much because he's just fucking Denzel Washington yeah. and he's, he's so he's such a personality. Good. He's so good. And, but here's the thing. But personality wise, I don't even know like that's the like the right thing to say. Like he's such a good actor that he understands the role and he understands like what to bring to it. No, that Not is to be also flashy true. enough. That's also true. Yeah. But his charisma is off the scale. Oh, it's it's like, it's off the wildly scale. Wildly off the scale. But he he just he gets the I don't know how he fucking does it. It's crazy. And again, like I said, this ties back to the Wicker Man because 
like Edward Woodward was who was the star of that originally mm-hmm. played this TV series this is based on the Equalizer film started off with the first one being a little more not a lot but a little more similar to the series by the second one they'd gone like whatever we don't care anymore this is more we're going into more brutal action and stuff this one is like fuck that we're just John wicking this bitch okay so <laughs> the, okay I, I um <laughs> so it's I, basically John wick equalizer right yeah. so I had not not watch the first or second movie. Uh, uh, they're both solid. Yeah, yeah. I've heard they're like really good, yeah. and uh, and I like Antoine Fuqua uh, Fuqua uh, Fuqua. Mo- Fuqua movies. Um, and, and I've I remember the first time I watched Training Day, didn't really care for it. Here's the reason why: because. I didn't like seeing Denzel Washington play a bad guy, but he's it, so good. He's it. so good in it, and uh, and I've, I've really yeah. I, I've really come around on it. And uh, and I like I really do love uh, Training Day. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. And um, I I still think that he did not deserve uh, Best Actor for it because he deserved for m- numerous other movies. But it was a horrible performance. <laughs> well, it was also like they are like, oh, sorry, we didn't give it to you for the other Malcolm fucking X, Malcolm X, uh, yeah. Hurricane, and like other movies. Yeah. But uh, I don't but, know. I think but, he deserved it for that. But he, well, he deserved it finally for that. Yeah. Uh, but then again, like he's done other movies since then. There's like, oh, he deserved that too. Let's face it. He's got a lifetime achievement award coming up at some right. point. Yeah. So, I mean, he already has two Academy Awards. He's great. Yeah. Uh, one for Glory. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. Best Supporting Actor. That movie sucks, though. I it's not as that. good as straight. I, I hope you heard that <laughs> creak right there. And like, I... Uh, Pazuzu, God help me. Uh, I'm like, what do you need? There's no God. There's no, no, no God. God. No God. God. No God. Um, okay. Sorry, we're on this whole 30 days of night kick right now. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so the action in this movie, and I was talking to you about this. I was reading a little bit more about him that um, I was like, holy shit, he's doing like all of his sequences. It seemingly like uh, like in camera kind of shit. And uh, I was like, oh, he's a fucking black belt and knows jujitsu. He's like a goddamn fucking Keanu Reeves. He genuinely is somebody that and you would like, want on your zombie apocalypse. Yeah, he's like yeah. he's an understated action star, which is funny because he's done so many action movies and you don't think of Denzel Washington as an action star. Yeah. You really don't. It, you it, just think it's like, oh, it's Denzel Washington. He's he's an incredible actor. However, with this movie, okay. I feel like this is one of the movies where, and there are others, to be clear, I Book agree with line. you, but shut up, but not one of my favorite Denzel Washington. No, he's just, yeah. But this is one where you're like, yeah, they just go like, this guy is a unstoppable god of yeah. like killing now, i mean it literally starts with a like a uh a camera tracking shot of just all these horribly murdered people through a building right where you're like oh wow these are all the people he just brutally murdered and don't worry you do get to see those murders happen later right in flashback and, but like and, and those are not like, even the most gruesome because not even when he is that opening sequence and uh, and I forget that um, I, I've seen some bits from the first two movies uh, where he does the whole like you got nine seconds to figure out what the fuck you're going to do kind of yeah. blah 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 and he does it in this movie at least the very beginning and, uh, and the way that he kills one person I'm like Jesus Christ dude they are tough kills they man. are tough yeah it, like it is a brutal <laughs> and uh, and it is really fun to see Denzel Washington effortlessly kill people well, and i compared to john wick because that same thing like there's no 
emotion behind it. It's just, this is the most efficient way to kill someone quickly. Mm-hmm. And which often is totally horrible. Yeah. Like he is not there to torture anyone or anything. He's just like, I'm his whole thing is he is at his core, a kind person. He doesn't want to be doing any of this. Yeah. Right. But like he's often offered little choice because he's faced up against the worst of the worst people. And that's just like the prequel to the rest of this movie, basically. (laughs) Right. Where he's like, hey, I did this shit in Italy and I'm just going to chill out for a while and like lay low. But I found this little town. This town is fucking sweet. It's like just that gorgeous little. It's the most Italy of Italy, Italian of Italian cities. Yeah. It's a tiny little on the coast beautiful place everyone there is either pretty or just like wonderful yeah you know? it's, it's it's one of those places where you think like so does everyone just like is everything free yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone's just like, like no there's like little fish it. markets like, just take, take it, it just take it, it. Yeah. it's like take the hat yeah. it's a big deal and but of like, course there's like a bunch of douchebags and that show up in town or like uh, trying to do shit and he's like okay i was just starting to relax and, yeah, and, and you guys are like, because he's recovering from a really serious injury at the very tail end of his last thing, which would never have happened except that he never thought in a million years that a little kid would take a shot at him. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's like, no, you're a little kid. I'm not going to kill you. You go ahead. And yeah. the little kid took a shot at him. He's like, fuck, I'm seriously, like, really seriously injured. Right? That's the only way you can get him is, like, play on his good side by, like, taking advantage of it. That's how it happens. Yeah. So now he's like, healing. Of course, there's hot chicks in the city too. We're like, what's happening? What are you doing? I mean, it's Denzel. It's Denzel. It's yeah. Denzel. And like, he's like, oh, there's like mob shit going on here, and they're like, oh, okay, well, there the mafia is like a cancer. They always pop up in this shit. With there's no cure for them, like cancer. What are you gonna do? And he's like, I love, oh, I love I the, the cure. There, so okay, <laughs> so uh, there is there is that moment where there's like there are lines like that where the doctor who's taking care of Denzel Washington's yeah. character and. Um, a call and as like the the mafia is here it's like they're they're a cancer there's no cure and then it it's focusing on denzel washington it's as if like the way they're shooting it the audience is like uh-uh <laughs> like no but he's the fucking cure right there yeah we all know yeah it's we all know. <laughs> it's like we're like it's, the, it's the so cancer weird. is in trouble <laughs> It's like, it's like cancer better fucking watch out, yeah. man. Like I don't cancer know. Cancer better go into remission if he wants to survive that shit. <laughs> like it's it's so funny how like it is like Denzel Washington's uh Robert McCall is so infallible of like how he can just go through this <laughs> and just like not get touched. Like he yeah. is like got it's it's one of those things like uh with, He's like the specter of death. Right. Like, like, it, it, like it's like it's watching, you know, when you watch horror movies, you watch action movies, uh there's there's He's only like th- if Michael Myers was the good guy. Right. Yeah. Like when you watch like when you watch The Wicker Man, like, okay, I'm never gonna go on like a British Isle and just like and everyone's kind of like a little weird and like, okay, I'm get the fuck out of here. Like, we now have all this like context is like where I'm never gonna be in this situation. Yeah. And there's only a few times in like in action movies when uh, it's like the first John Wick where uh, the big guy like John Wick like comes up right behind uh, the I forget his name uh, Kevin Nash the wrestler is like yeah. uh, I was like hello uh, Francis is like hello Mr. Wick uh, I was like so you're on duty tonight it's like yes it's like should you not be it's like you're right and he just walks away yeah, he's it's, like, it's, yep, it's fuck that yeah it's one of the few times <laughs> like when a uh, character in a movie realizes like 
I need to walk away yeah. right now. And everyone in this movie is like, how do you not like realize like this guy is going to dis- destroy well, all of you? Is, like most of the people here don't know who he is. Well, sure, and it's yeah, not yeah. really till later when they start to like, they're like, who the fuck is this guy doing this shit? And they're like, oh, fuck this. Oh, oh, no shit. one even has that realization. Like, though. There's a point they're like. I, we might be totally fucked, but we're going to do everything we can. This is, there's a point. The no, only no, actually, time, no one ever has that realization. The only time that anybody it, that you ever feel like he's in danger is in that end of the first sequence where he's like, because he trusts a little kid, right? Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie, you're like, you're just a god of death, this unstoppable god of death like John Wick mm-hmm. and who kills brutally and impressively and cool. And Man. you're 100% on his side because he's this cool guy. He's the coolest guy there is. There, there's nothing. Okay, there's a sequence. He's in, got more personality than John Wick has in his fingernail. Oh my. You know, well, like, like, in, in his like fucking. In his fingernail. In his yeah. uh, uh, index finger and thumb yeah where like there's a sequence where um the uh the the younger brother of the lead of the the mob uh comes in to basically extort money out of this uh uh cop and um they're in this little cafe which again everything in italy is like oh fuck you italy why does everything have to be fucking nice all the goddamn why is it time always awesome man? oh it's awesome you motherfuckers you. It's like i want to have coffee and you're just like you're no, you're dressing the best coffee in the world yeah and it's like you're you're, you're in a tie <laughs> like oh my god um well, let me like orders tea and they're like fuck that here's yeah, some coffee here's some coffee like you're not drink, you're not a tea drinker this is some coffee and trust me you're oh, like this better have yeah, coffee yeah. In, yeah. in italy jesus christ i mean they're right it's it, always better yeah. but um so they are going down and like, and Denzel is there. And, uh, and so <laughs> the younger brother is like, like, what the fuck are you looking at? And he goes over there and he is accosting, uh, uh, a Den- uh McCall. And, uh, he does this thing where he immediately, or like, he's asking like, well, what is that? A Timex? And of course, like the guy's like, I have a fucking Rolex or whatever the fuck it is. But he puts up his wrist and it, cause he knows he's going to try to do that. And he grabs like this, like, in between like yeah, your index finger cluster. and stuff, this yeah. nerve cluster and he's just pinching it yeah. and okay so here's the thing i tr- i watched that scene and you i was tried like, it on eric I, uh, no i tried yeah. it on myself i was like i don't know what that fuck it feels like oh did you hurt yourself no like well i can kind of feel like because it's very difficult for a, a person to hurt themselves yeah. it's like trying to tickle yourself it's exactly almost impossible. it's it's almost yeah. impossible yeah. but then i was just like thinking like oh, i wonder if that's a fucking real thing because this guy it is a real thing okay i was familiar with it so the way that Denzel explains the the pain threshold is like okay, what I'm doing right now is the pressure is like it's a whatever he describes as like this uh, this pressure point. You're at a and three. You're well, just like uh, it's like uh, you're at a two. Here's a yeah. three, and uh, it's like you don't want to go to four because you're going to shit yourself. <laughs> and like yeah. out of a scale of one to ten, <laughs> which is like. The fact that he's explaining it that way is like we're not even past five, <laughs> and like and th- and you're in extreme pain, and it is so great and gratifying. And here's the thing, which is really interesting about this movie is that the action doesn't really fucking kick in until like an hour. Well, I mean, to be after fair, the initial it, the initial shit. opening sequence is super cool and like yeah, really cool. bloody and action. That's like the first like ten but minutes. Then it's like 
you've earned this break. Yeah. It's, and yeah. you like it because it's beautiful. The cinematography is beautiful. And it builds it's the characters. Like, and it's, it you get to know all happening. the people in the town. You're like, I would like to visit this town. Mm-hmm. This is really cool. I would be okay if this just turns into an eating tour of Italy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a, a trip to Italy with uh, yeah. uh, those yeah. two comedians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck, I forget what their name is. And then the Washington. Yeah. And um, Denzel Washington, like, <laughs> occasionally just delivering badass lines well, at the end of their dinner. Denzel can do some impressions, yeah. which I didn't know about. Yeah. Like he can actually do Jay-Z. He's which is really re- funny. He's so funny, yeah. which is so f- unfortunate. I was like, I would love to see Denzel in like a Wes Anderson movie someday. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think he would be primed for that. But anyway, so I like, agree. but, um, but the, the, the action that you're kind of like ramping up to really doesn't occur until like the last like 30 minutes. When that happens, it is like fucking full tilt. Oh like, yeah. It does not it's stop. Not fucking around. No. And, okay. So we even talk about, but briefly the aspect of Dakota Fanning where mm. he basically right when shit starting to like, okay, well stuff's going on in this town. He basically makes an anonymous call because he is capable of like redirecting his number and all that to, uh, um, the CIA and specifically to her, Emma Collins about like, Hey, uh, and he just wants to direct her initially to the place. He just murdered everyone. in in the beginning of the film, like, yeah. um, by the way, there's a bunch of dead people there. And I think they were connected to terrorism or something. And like, th- she's like, but who was that guy? And th- it's like one of those, like you feel like, uh Oh, they're catching up with him, but there's nothing. He is not 10 steps ahead of and didn't plan for entirely. And it turns into this weird sort of friendship between the two of them Yeah, yeah. where she's like, he's like, She's like, who are you? And he's like, don't worry about it, but I'm on your side, baby. Well, and like, it's just kind of delightful. And when it kind of is finally revealed, like, okay, why did he right. clearly specifically pick this person and yeah. why he did in the context of the previous two films, you're like, oh, that's charming and delightful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there, there's nothing better than also um, their chemistry together, which is, you know, they don't have a ton of scenes together, but um, when they do, it's just like, now it, it did give me a slight affinity for Man on Fire, um, where to see them together. Um but there's a there's a famous thing that Denzel Washington does when he when he laughs in movies, because like I've seen Denzel Washington laugh genuinely, and it's like he is like belly over, like lap. Oh yeah, like, he's yeah. like he can't he stop. He falls kinda, off of seat. Yeah, yeah, he can't do. It. He is like he's just going nuts. But um, when he laughs in movies, his like movie laughter, um, it's like the like my man, uh, yeah, like when yeah. he does that kind of stuff, where it's when um. <laughs> Uh, Dakota Fanning is walking away is like McCall like she knows his name and then he's like ha 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 and I'm like oh man I'm so thankful we got the Denzel watching the movie laugh he's just so cool man man he's and so this cool this is a cool shit fucking movie man it's good like I it's it, solid. it has gotten really good reviews which I was glad of yeah this feels like one of those movies that might have split critics you know, because third movie in a series, you always get that whole, I'm tired of this already. Or it's like, uh, it's too much like other stuff. And I'm like, no, man, this is just a fun as fuck watch with one of the most charismatic movie stars in the world who admittedly is getting up there in years, but still has it. Man, 100%. he's, what is he like fucking, is he 60? I don't know. He's old. Let's look it up. Why don't we? If only there was a, a, a source to look things up from, oh, wait, no, he was born in 1954. So he's almost 70. He's Jesus 68. He's 68? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, it should be a national day of mourning when he dies. I'm just saying. Oh, well, that, oh man, that's good. That's going to fucking kill me. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, 
it's it's one of the it's he's one of the few actors that is so close to my heart um again mainly because of glory because again for my family it has like a very special thing and uh like with my sister and my mom we watched it constantly because we my my mom like she she raised me with the idea of and and being very forthright about like this is what america was about and uh and so it's funny like growing up in texas when you learn like texas history it was like this is a little whitewashed it's like this is a little white club like what the fuck's going on here hey, what are you talking about yeah, like, hey, none of that is true none of that's true well, let's talk uh, about the real story of america and so watching you know glory and and seeing him and his performance is like it, he's he's one of the most genuinely incredible actors of our life not of our lifetime just of all time and yeah. to see him so versatile to where he could play you know incredibly dramatic uh, roles <coughs> to really fun action stars uh, action roles it's such a delight yeah. because you you uh it's, it's like, one of those you feel like in this later part of his life like you said like somebody like Wes Anderson it's yeah. like it's time for him to start working with people like that because and the, the fact that he was in in Macbeth is yeah, like with Joel yeah. Cohen is like wow so amazing why why not do Cohen brothers movies now yeah. it's like to fucking do that dude exactly i'm like he is capable of anything he's anything. one of our greatest stars and this is a deeply underrated film that like really almost no one discussed in movies. They did almost no press for this either. Oh, really? Weirdly. Like they hardly pushed Man, it at fucking, all. And as Nathan so Flamer would fun. say, it's a banger. It is a banger. It honks as Nathan would say. All right, uh, I'm out of there's here. There's just five EPKs, whatever. They're forgettable EPKs. It's a way of thinking a music video for something by called monster by Jason Banks. I didn't watch it. Doesn't matter. Like the movie is all you need. It's pretty good. Let's go on to what the movie of the week is. I'm pretty sure we both know what it is. It's the dead mother, right? I was going to say the dead mother. I mean, uh, it's, Look, you got the others. You got the mist. There, we have so many great releases this week, both in content and and well. I know what is films. not uh, good. <laughs> the strays, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, but like you know, I think the the release of the Carlitos Way is a really great pickup if you love uh, Pacino and you like. Sure, and you like a lot of those are pre- previously existing featurettes. <laughs> but I'm going to go with the Dead Mother because yeah. not only is it like one of those, oh my god, this is such a hidden gem, but it's actually packed with extra features as yeah. well. So I would say that too. Yeah, easy, I think Dead Mother's great. Easy hand hands down. Where I'll put it on the site and people will go like, what the fuck is that? I'm yeah. Like, well, listen to the fucking episode. Why don't you? It's two and a half hour episode. So <laughs> listen to it, you sons of bitches. You sons of bitches. Well, Come on, listen. Do it. I guess we should get out of here. So y'all are like, are you going to wrap this up or not? I don't have all day. I have other podcasts I listen to. Listen, I think we should talk more about glory. how good Strays is. All right, that, that's where that's where we're going. So this is going to continue our hour long exploration into why Strays is the greatest movie of 2023. I fucking hate everything. I hate doing this show. Why do I do this? This is terrible. I hate this. <laughs>